To me, it's an A. Lillian, I own this to movie. To me, it's an A as well. I think everybody was absolutely <laughs> wonderful in it. Oh my God, I just want to cry right now. It's time to watch a movie you've never seen. There might be some ninjas or a crazy death machine. But there will be smiles and there will be tears. You won't watch another movie for about 800 years. It's time for death. By video. Tell me what to do. And it's Death by Video. Yay! Woot. Yay! I'm so happy right now. We're back again. Word. And like Backstreet Boys. Yes. Yeah, right. Oh my God, we're back again. Back. All right. Um, so I gotta apologize. Our last episode took a little while to get up. In fact, it's not done editing yet as we're recording this, but it'll go up before this one goes up, of course. And that is was our last episode, which was our kickoff to our Albert Pune series, Cyborg, starring Jean Claude. Van- Sorry, Van Damme. <laughs> a little oxygen went up the wrong way. Um, so, without further ado, I'm Graham. That, that's a I'm great... Phil. I'm Kit. And I'm Lil. That's a great name to burp into, isn't it? That wasn't a burp. That was just John Claude Van Damme, just like between Van... the <laughs> between the Claude you know? and the it's Van. Like, it doesn't work with Lewis. No. <laughs> no, it doesn't, does it? Christopher Lewis. In a way, it does. I can't burp on cue, otherwise I'd try it out. <laughs> yes. Not even if we pull your finger? That doesn't, yeah, somehow that I've doesn't. I've always hated that one. Pull my finger. <laughs> I remember it was going My finger is school. not actually attached to my... Uh, Hand? Just my digestive system. Really? That's You gotta get that checked out then. That's kind of strange, man. That everyone's fingers were, index fingers were attached to their digestive system. So tonight we are going to be watching. <coughs> we are going to be watching dangerously close the 1987 high school thriller starring Tom Matthews and John Stockwell and what's your name? Wasn't that that 9/11 film too? Extremely loud and dangerously close, or was that? But this is yes, quite different. That that, that, that was a 9/11 film. This is not that film at all. Obviously not. No. No. Um. So, where's the other actor? What's her name? The the lead, because she was in some other stuff. Anyways, I'll just start with my my notes on the film that I dug up. It's actually kind of hard to find, um, information on this film. There's uh, very little on it. There's none on Albert Pune's official website, and there's no commentary on the Blu-ray. So it's kind of hard. I had to piece some stuff together. So there were three writers that received credit. Scott Fields, whose only other credit was another high school movie titled Undercover, which actually starred Jennifer Jason Leigh and was directed by one of the stars of Dangerously Close, John Stockwell. The primarily listed screenwriter was Marty Ross. This was his only feature film uh, that he was credited as writing, but he did work on two television series in the 1980s. They were Screen 2, that's TWO, and The Edge of Night. He is best known for being an actor in the New Monkeys TV series from the 80s, which was a revival of the 1960s Monkey TV series, Monkeys, um, where he played the character of Marty. 
Uh, his last credit was on the soundtrack for the film Messengers from 2004 as a performer and songwriter of the song Get Out. Um, the third writer... Oh, and by the way, guys, jump in whenever you want. I know I say that every time. Um, the third writer was actually one of the lead actors, John Stockwell. Um, and John Stockwell is actually best known for acting in the John Carpenter film Christine. Uh, during the filming of Christine, uh, it had a big, big impact on... Uh, both John Stockwell and Keith Gordon, the two male leads of the film, they actually both gave up acting and uh, began directing. Stockwell also acted in the film uh, films Losing It with Tom Cruise, Radioactive Dreams, which we're going to be watching in actually two weeks, um, nice. My Science Project, and Top Gun Reuniting Him with Tom Cruise, uh, and then a bunch of other films. He actually has over 20 directing credits, most notably the aforementioned Undercover, Crazy Slash Beautiful, starring Kirsten Dunst, Blue Crush, Into the Blue, Teristas, um, and four episodes of The L Word, as well as Kickboxer Vengeance, starring Jean-Claude Van Damme. That was Van Damme's actually return to the Kickboxer franchise after nearly two decades. Oh. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing John Stockwell is related to Dean Stockwell. No. Oh, okay. Maybe I'm wrong, actually. I just wanted to, like... Yeah, that was a hard no. It was yeah, like, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't be that hard. <laughs> oh, shit. I missed it. I thought he was ready for that one. Yeah. Um, no, I was not ready at all. You don't even know? You don't even know. Uh, the female talking. leader of this movie is Carrie Lowell. Mm-hmm. Who was a Bond girl in... in uh, License to Kill. License to Kill, yeah. The most memorable James Bond movie. Timothy Dalton. I love Timothy Dalton James Bond movies, though. I'm a big fan of Timothy Dalton in general. Um... She played the character of Julie. She was also in Sleepless in Seattle and Leaving Las Vegas. And she was on the TV show Law & Order for a long time. Um, the lead of the film is J. Eddie Peck, who plays Danny Lennox. He's done mostly television work, and he had some decent stints on Days of Our Lives, Dynasty, Dallas, and The Young and the Restless, and All My Children. So he, Nice. Soap opera vet. Yeah, so he's done done both the daytime and the nighttime he's soaps. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's done it all. He's got both bases covered. Yeah. But he was also the star of another film. And that film was from Canon Films, the producers of this film, Lombada. Yes, that is the yes. He stars in the film Lombada, where he played a high school teacher by day and a man of mystery by night, who uses the Lombada dance to earn the respect and acceptance of the youths in his neighborhood. Coming soon on Death by Video. Oh my god, we were obsessed with that movie. <laughs> Did you also watch The Forbidden Dance? Yes. Oh man. Yeah, we're going to do a double feature of Lombada and The Forbidden Dance. Oh, and then, remember Strictly Ballroom? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. That was the Antonio Banderas... Con no, sorry, that no, was Lars von Trier. Baz my fault, my fault. Now, the An Antonio Banderas did kind of the same thing with, what was it, Shall We, not Shall We Dance, Take This Dance? Something Dance, yeah. It was with one the kids? of those ones. Yeah. Yeah, it was shot in Toronto, because I remember a guy that I went to film school with almost became one of the kids that he taught in school. He didn't, though. Um, let's see, this film also features the actor Tom Matthews, um, who is probably best known for being in Return to the Living Dead Part 1 and Part 2. Friday the 13th Part 6, where he played uh, 
Tommy, Tommy Jarvis. Jarvis, the same role that Corey Feldman played in Part Four, but all grown up. And uh, Part Five. And Part Five for a brief moment, Corey Feldman was back in that. But he also did many, many Albert Pune films. He did. He was in Alien from L.A., Kickboxer Four, The Aggressor, Heat Seeker, Blood Match, Down Twisted, Blast, Mean Guns, featuring Christophe Lambert, Sorcerers, and one of Death by Video's all-time favorites, Nemesis. Nemesis. Um, the film has a pretty decent soundtrack featuring songs by The Smithereens, T.S.O.L., and Lords of the New Church. Uh, in the production, um, there's not much production information. However, I did, did uncover that this film is largely identical in plot to another film that came out the same year called The Brotherhood of Justice. Now, uh, it was in researching Brotherhood of Justice that I realized that this film was actually based on a true story that happened in 1985 at R.L. Paschel High School in Fort Worth, Texas. So... Essentially, at that school, there was a there was a student gang called the Legion of Doom, um, who were similar to the gang or the youth group, the Sentinels and Dangerously Close. The Legion of Doom were made up of students who were considered to be the best of the best. They were all honor students and athletes from upper middle class backgrounds, and they took the law into their own hands and targeted those they considered undesirables. They bullied and harassed anyone they thought were below their community standards, and eventually started using explosives. Uh, to drive their points home. One student had a pipe bomb strapped to their car. Luckily, it went off in the middle of the night when no one was in it. They eventually targeted another teen who was dating the ex-girlfriend of one of the members of the Legion of Doom. This teen had the lug nuts on one of his car's wheels removed, causing the wheel to come off while he was driving it. The passenger windows were were smashed, uh, and the teen's family home had its doors kicked in and the lights outside were shot out with an M1 carbine semi-automatic rifle. Uh, a former student of the school who was visiting the son of a co-worker there had his window windshield blasted out with shotguns, and a note was thrown inside. It read, Paschal is now Nazi territory. You are, sh- you are short-lived here if you return. Heed our warning. There will not be another one. So yeah, these guys were super racist as well, with the swastika being their, their group logo, and half of the school was actually made up of minorities. Finally, a black student at the school had a Molotov cocktail thrown at his house, Um, resulting in all members of the Legion of Doom being arrested, and they were indicted on 33 criminal charges. Such a cool name, though. I know. It became a really good tag team later on, (laughs) the Legion of Doom. Um, Unfortunately, they didn't receive that long prison sentences. The most they got was a month in prison with 10 years of probation. So that brings us to our film, Dangerously Close, which we'll be watching. So before we get going, guys, has anyone seen anything good since we last recorded? Phil, since you're holding the microphone. I saw High Noon for the first time. It was really good. Oh, yes. The Gary yeah. Cooper classic. Yes. Great black and white western starring yeah. a young Lee Van Cleef as one of the bad guys. Yes. And uh, it was uh, Grace Kelly's uh, first mm-hmm. big role. Yeah. Yeah. It was a big influence on the film Once Upon a Time in the West by Sergio Leone. And it was a crucial film at the time of the Hollywood Blacklist. There was a book written about it. It's on my to-read list. And uh, mm. it's talked about it on the podcast. Uh, you must remember this. And the multi, their lengthy uh, Hollywood Blacklist uh, series on that podcast. And I also saw the latest adaptation of It, which was mediocre. Oh, mediocre. Are you sure you didn't see another film during that time period? 
One by young Lizzie Borden. Yes. Uh, I rewatched and I think Graham saw for the first time. Yes, it was the first time. A beautiful 35 millimeter print restoration of Lizzie Borden's debut film from 1983, Born in Flames. Born in Flames. What a gem. It was quite oh, good. Yeah. And we were treated to a Q&A with the director afterwards. Uh, over the phone, not in person, but uh, it was very informative and uh, an excellent night out at the cinema. It was part of uh, the Royal Cinema's Black Gold screening series, which features not necessarily films by black filmmakers, but films of importance to the black community and the black experience. Anything else, Phil, in the last little while? Um, I think that's it. Okay. Kit, what have you seen since we last recorded? Um, I've seen nothing. Okay, Lillian. Yeah, me neither. Sorry. Okay. Um, so in the time since we last recorded, <laughs> I have seen... Oh, here we go. I've only seen three films, which is which is bad for me. I've seen Born in Flames, which we discussed. I saw the Frank Henenlotter debut, directorial debut, Basket Case, which... Has anyone here seen Basket Case? Case. No? No. It is a story of a man and his conjoined twin. It's on my two-watch queue. And they were forcefully separated when he was uh just hitting puberty and the 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 conjoined twin isn't much of a human being it's more it looks like it was actually modeled on the afterbirth that a woman pushes out after the baby so it's like a little globby thing with like two mouth-shaping arms and maybe some bones in there and a face it's gross yeah and anyways they go to new york city to find the doctors that separated them and take revenge it's great i've heard of this yeah frank hennenlauter is the director Mm -hmm. of uh for those of uh, us veterans of uh, Grimm's uh, movie night barbecues. Frankenhooker. Yes. And he also did Brain Damage and Basket Case 2 and 3. Frankenhooker's still my my personal favorite, but Basket Case definitely like rocketed yeah. up the chart. Doesn't it turn into like a family of Basket Cases? No, I think that's the sequel, actually. Yeah, like later on like in the sequels, there's like a whole family of it. There's a, yeah, he goes to a home for freaks. Um, I haven't I haven't seen the sequel, so I don't know, but but that could very well be the case. Okay. And then yesterday, I had the utmost pleasure of watching the uh, film from my home province of Newfoundland, Canada, Anchor Zone. Anchor Zone is a dystopian futuristic movie set in St. John's, a St. John's with a subway system, which made me laugh hard because. Oh really? Yeah, they said there's a subway in St. John's, and I'm like, never. Well, in the movie, it was real, but in real life, no, never. Um, but uh, it features a young Mark Critch from This Hour's 22 Minutes as a teenager playing Rad, is his character's name. His best friend's name is Dogface. And they team up with a girl named Robin to fight the uh, totalitarianist regime that governs over them. And the oceans, are cool, full of, uh, the oceans are full of toxic waste, and no fish can be fished anymore. And so Newfoundland is almost like a totalitarian state. It was really fun, really good. Uh, unfortunately, it'll probably never be seen again. Uh, this was the original 35mm print from when it was briefly released back in 1994. Uh, it's considered, kind of considered a lost film. I think there was only a Italian VHS release. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it, uh, it was great. It was, and I, I don't want to say great. It was, it, it was quite, it was, it was good for what it was. Graham doesn't like to use the term great very loosely. It's... Yeah, I don't, I don't like throwing that around. But it, it was an enjoyable film, and it was, it was meant, it was a big budget film. It was $1.5 million, and it was meant to kick off the Newfoundland film industry. They specifically said they wanted to be able to compete with the Sylvester Stallone film Judge Dredd when it came out that summer. 
they did not. Um, but uh, it was good that it played and it screened. It was a beautiful print. And if it's any consolation, Judge Dredd wasn't so uh, yeah, in the realm Yeah, it didn't do great, but it did better than Anchor Zone. Um, so, yes, yeah, so that's what I've seen in the last while. Wow, I thought it was a new one. Nope, from 1994, with a great grunge soundtrack of all original grunge songs. It was. But so, not great. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to oversell it, because the thing is, like, if you go in expecting Blade Runner, it's not Blade Runner, it's not Mad Max, it's it's kind of its own thing. It, it is, like, it, granted, it's $1.5 million, it's shot in St. John's, Newfoundland, so it's a little, and it's a Canadian film, so you kind of see, like, a homemadeness to it. Um, and it's just that it's just said that, that it's totally forgotten about in Canadian film history, um, and most people don't know it exists because it never got a release over here in any form. It was never on TV. It was never on VHS. Certainly not on DVD or Blu-ray. Um, and it was kind of joked about that, like when they return this print to the distributor, they might just throw this print in the garbage. So it might be a completely lost film. So it's sad to say that even films from the 1990s can be lost within 20 years. Speaking of uh, Newfoundland film, R.I.P. Yes. to Mike Jones, the. Uh the cinematographer of uh, Anchor Zone? The, the godfather of mm-hmm. Newfoundland film, according to this article that I'm looking at right now. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, no, he, he directed uh, the first feature film shot in Newfoundland, The Adventures of Fossius Bidgood in the 1970s, which was a production with many of the members of CODCO who would go on to form uh, This Hour's 22 Minutes, Mary Walsh, uh, Ron Hines, and, um, and a few others. It's a very surreal comedy that... Um, I don't really know if I can recommend to an audience to watch because it's so strange and different. Um, but, um, yeah, he passed away, I think, a year ago or two years ago. Who, Mike Jones? Yeah. No, he just passed away, like, like this week or last oh, week. Oh, jeez. He was actually, yeah, he was the cinematographer of Anchor Zone. Although, some of the shots were framed kind of poorly. Like, you kind of watch the bottom half of oh, people's faces. Just kicking a dead no, man. No, no, no. I'm not kicking a dead man. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't necessarily think it was his fault. I think that they probably shot it either super 35 open mat or 16 millimeter open mat, which would be a square image. So they probably, when they matted it down to a standard, you know, 16 by nine, that it was matted incorrectly. So I don't think it was their fault. I just think it was the the distributor that matted this print incorrectly. But yeah, Mike Jones, um, incredibly. That's some funny timing, I would say. Yeah, Screening I'm just in Toronto, and then that. Yeah, they made an announcement of it uh, before the screening, so it was. Oh, okay. Never mind. So yeah, I, I thought he passed away a year ago, though, but I guess it was only recently. I could have been wrong. Well, why would they make an announcement of the screening if he passed away a year ago? I don't know, Kit. <laughs> Because it's unfortunate that uh, he has passed away. <laughs> Every time and they, they screen up. part of this up. movie. And this film was, like, this was meant to be a big deal, and it just kind of, like, disappeared. Like, they were like, we'll do a small release. If it does well, we'll go wide. And it just didn't even get off the ground. Like, it's interesting because one of the actors in it is the host of Canada's Worst Driver now. And it's just amazing how it's like, that guy was trying to be an actor back then. Uh, one of the actresses from Degrassi, the original show, was, is in it. Um, and Ron Hines and a bunch of other like you, you know them if you if you see them yeah so if Anchor Zone for any reason plays near you I highly recommend going to see it it's such a great time capsule and just a fun film if it actually came out in like 1994 and I saw it when I was at, like 11 years old I would I would have probably dug it quite a bit so guys is there anything else we want to chat about before we before we get into this film this is actually one of our shortest intros ever we're at under 20 minutes 
yeah, let's get the I'm show. I'm stoked. Let's, let's get dangerously it. close. Okay. And now, on that note, uh, Kit, did you have something to say before we jumped in? No. no? Did I look like you I did. had something to say? Yeah. Anyways. I just got one of those faces. All right. Maybe. It's time for Dangerously Close. We'll be right back. Court's in session. The offense. Social leech. Verdict. Guilty. 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 What do you say, stoner, huh? What'd you say? I'm sorry. At Vista High. In the name of justice, some students are getting away with murder. I heard about Morgan. That was his body they found this morning. It was the administration that asked us to monitor the student body. Since we started the Sentinels last spring, crime on campus has been almost eliminated. The students feel safer. You're our pool boy, right? Mr. Verdi must be quite a change for you. Hey, you ever play Hunt Down? Hunt Down. It's kind of like this intense survival game. You think hanging around with him is going to get you somewhere? He's using you! Sometimes it gets a little out of hand. Well, he's a good guy. Nice costumes, boys. What is this, trick or treat? He's going a little too far. He's searching for answers. It's getting out of hand. What, Brian? What, what's happening? Now he's getting close. Teach him a little lesson. Dangerously close. Elvira? Yeah, like, I never, like, I don't know, I I didn't really see it until now. I just thought she was really, like, cool and, you know, and whatever. And But I kind of, I I think I came over one time and you were playing one of you know her her show her tv shows her tv show and i was like oh my god she is she is tantalizing she's a she's, she's a foxy lady she's, she's topless on that like an old tom waits album cover too <gasps> that's actually not her oh is it not her no it was it was proven uh tom waits claimed it was her she said like no i was never there that's oh. not me what's well, a strange thing to claim yeah, well, I think it was just sort of like it was. It was just assumed, and then she, because like I think that that showgirl came from a review that she was on at the time. Oh, so Tom Waits she, just screwed it up. Yeah, she got it wrong. There's, there's more. There's more. Um, yeah, so she got it wrong. And by the way, we're speaking of Elvira, and we are recording again, and that ties into. I'm gonna, I'm gonna spoil this now. Next week, we're actually gonna be watching Doll Man, but it's not just Doll Man. Lillian, you're gonna want to come before this. Yeah. It is Doll Man. By directed by the great, not the late great, but the great the auteur. Albert Pune, our yeah. our hero, our patron saint of cinema, and it is hosted. The Stanley Kubrick of his day. Yes, exactly. Of which Stanley Kubrick was also alive at the time, but yes, yes he, but was, he, he, he was, was the taking Kubrick over. Of his day. He was superseding. Yes, he did. He did you know. for for a good solid three years. It, but <laughs> this uh, this doll man is actually going to be hosted by Elvira. So we are actually watching an Elvira-hosted uh, episode of her relaunch show, Movie Macabre. No, it's Elvira's Haunted... Uh, Wait, so we're going to be watching a movie hosted by somebody else? This is very meta all of a sudden. Well, we're, we're, no, no, we're, 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 we're yeah. dipping back into our, to our Elvira mode, but it's 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 Dollman and Albert. We, we have it's an, an Elvira she's, mode? She's hosted this it's film? It's a crossover episode. You're saying? Yes, she has hosted... 
she she's hosting a screening of Doll Man as part of Thirteen Haunted Nights of Elvira or something. One of one of her re- revamp shows that came out like a couple years ago. She hosted the film Doll Man, and that is the version we are going to be watching. So we're going to be watching Albert Pune's Doll Man as hosted by Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. That is quite a treat. You're welcome, listeners Thank you. and fans and people here. We'll see who we can get to join us on that episode. Maybe we'll bring back uh, the one, the only, uh, Ermina Perez. No relation to Lillian Perez. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Very much relation to Lillian Perez. Uh, Who is that that Texan girl we had here? Julie? What was her name? I don't know. She was from L.A. Oh, yeah, that's right. Tatiana. Tatiana, that's right. Thank you. I thought it was Svetlana. She's... She's from the Soviet Union, but she's uh, she hails from LA. And by way of Texas, because they're Maladonna. They're, yeah, maybe oh. we can bring in Maladonna. That that's bringing our that listeners. Our that's... listeners, but that's that's way too mad. Our listeners will have no. By the way, to our listener in Indonesia, thank you for listening. I have no idea who you are. Send us a send us a message on our Facebook page, Death by Video Podcast. Send us a tweet, Death by at Death by Video Pod. Send us an email at Death by Video Podcast at Gmail which, granted, we never check that by video podcast at gmail.com. And by we, I mean me. Um, say hello. Say GFY. Say what have you. Just uh, say something. Ask why we do this. I'm more than, more than interested. I don't know what GFY is. Shout, right? out, shout out to Tim, our listener from Indonesia. I don't know if his name is Tim. It might not be. I was just a shot in the dark. And our listeners from Cucamonga, California. You guys are great. Did you just make that up? Cucamonga? Now, Cucamonga is a real town. Those guys are probably named Tim. The Young Bucks are actually from Cucamonga, the infamous uh, pro wrestling tag team, the Young Bucks. Maybe it's them. Oh, my God. I was just going to say. If it was the Young Bucks, I would be so... If if the Young Bucks listen to this podcast, I would be so pleased. They, they've heard about how have, much you, you gush I love about... Them. Uh, uh, how, many, how many t-shirts of theirs I bought, how many... I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, hope, I'm hoping they're going to be coming through Toronto in May. I've already aren't, got tickets. Uh, aren't you at war with the Young Bucks now, or is that... No, it, it's a very, it's a very like, oh, that's fraught, the club. It's, it's a very sorry, fraught yeah. situation, because the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega have kind of gone through a bit of a split. I'm very upset about it. I mean, Kenny Omega is very upset. He was crying during the match. Um, the Young Bucks are very Ow. upset. So, I mean, there's still a lot of emotions to he unpack. He was crying, and he wasn't even... No, he was like. But Kenny, he was touched. Kenny, T- touched in his heart. So, so last night on March twenty fifth, Kenny Omega was forced to face one of his best friends, Matt Jackson, <laughs> in the ring. I'm in, sorry in, to all our listeners that aren't interested in this, but they should be. So, so Kenny Omega it's recently reunited now. with uh, Kota Ibushi in their tag team, the Golden Lovers. And by the way, just so you guys know, the Golden Lovers—that's not just a bad translation. Uh, they are meant to be the Golden Lovers. Um, are in a feud with the Young Bucks right now against both of their wills, kind of. So it's it's a sticky situation. And last night's match in Long Beach, California at the Pyramid uh, Arena was very, very difficult for this long-term fan of both the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi to watch. It was, it was an emotional night. Their match went a good, uh, I think, almost 50 minutes. And... Um, Graham's eyes have been, have been moist all evening, and I was wondering why. But I yeah. was wondering why, too. It didn't rain today. You're right, it didn't. It's, it's very hard to see that, to see that happen, to see, like, the good friends have to face each other in a but contest. But it did rain and, and the roof here at the abandoned video store has been patched, which yeah. I, I assume that's you. I assume you did that. No. Graham. No? That was the gypsies. <laughs> the gypsies that live here sometimes? Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, Death, uh, Dangerously Close. We just finished watching it. 
That was a long ramble into that. Um, our second uh, Albert Pune feature, third overall on the podcast. What did you guys think of Dangerously Close? Phil, you're first. What a blast. Yeah, right? Wow. Yeah, it was really good. That was a film, yeah. Kit, yeah. yeah that was a film. That's all you got to say. I, I No, I dug it. I'm, it was about humanity, Kit. It was about, oh. it was about life and death. It was about high school. It was about... Fascism. Love, fascism. Anti-fascism. Yep. The alt-right, I guess you could say. Yeah, they, they kind of, those guys, those guys were kind of alt-righty, right? Totally, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's all that. It's no coincidence mm-hmm. that, like, Depeche Mode is on the soundtrack. The accidental band of the alt-right. How are they the accidental band of the uh, alt-right? I don't know this story. Oh, yeah. Richard Spencer's big fan of Depeche Mode, and Depeche Mode are like, don't listen to our music. <laughs> Good. That's how they should t- treat it. And uh, we, of course, feature the character of Kruger, who was played by the same actor that was in 315, The Moment of Truth. Um, I don't know his name, but I'll be looking it up soon, who played a punk rock character who drove a uh, Ford Mustang Cobra. He had, a, he had a mohawk and some funky earrings. Mm-hmm. Lillian fell in love with him. Yeah, it was it was love at first sight, really. And he had a license plate plate he was getting like <laughs> was wake and baked on the way to school and shit like he was just awesome and he stood his ground and he was amazing he was amazing and by the way so is this beer from blood brothers the Coninny. um we don't have any kind of like sponsorship or licensing with blood brothers but they are our beer of choice on this podcast and it is all delicious i'm drinking growers tonight yeah kits on uh, on the white wine spritzers yeah that's what's happening sorry they're ciders um, anyways, back to, to dangerously close. Let's uh, let's let's try and walk our way through it. So, Kit, you've got some notes. Let's 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 take it through de- dangerously close. But my notes are not going to help me here. That's a beautiful pen, by the way. Kit. Thank you. Very very nice. Thank you. Um, the pen is mightier than the sword. It it has a inspirational saying on it, which I think is probably not very good. <laughs> Dreamer extraordinaire, it says on the pen. Yeah. So, so Lily. Oh, I thought that was what well, was like the, one of those like book promos for like the uh, the that DVNC book. Uh. No, it, it isn't. It's just some stupid indigo pen that I took from work. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Lillian was laughing when she said the pen is mightier. Is that because of the Saturday Night Live Celebrity Jeopardy? Uh, Sean Connery, the penis mightier. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. It's just a it's just a great expression and it's and it's wonderful. And that pen was really cool. It is. So our film begins with uh, a character named Morgan running through a mist filled marsh. This this intro for some reason, maybe it's been a while since I've seen the film, but it reminded me of The Lost Boys for some reason. You brought that up a couple times, The yeah, Lost I Boys. Did, and nobody was nobody was with it, which makes me think that I'm maybe misremembering. No, I, no I, I think you're on to something, Kit. Yeah, you brought up the Lost Boys this, and this the whole dynamic. This obviously came out before the Lost Boys, but it's almost it's almost not impossible for me to think that this had some influence on that film because, in a mm-hmm. way, it's about the same thing. Kiefer yeah. Sutherland and the rest of the vampires are the fascists. Yeah. Um, friggin' Corey Hames' brother there, what's his name? Oldie McMoldy. Yeah, <laughs> I don't remember him. He's he's like the uh, another thirty year old. He's on the edge there. He's he's like he's gonna join them. Oh, Jason Patrick. Jason yeah, yeah, Patrick. Jason Patrick. Oh my god, from Speed yeah. Two, Cruise Control. Yes. Jason Patrick. Yeah. That's the only thing he's known for: Speed Two, Cruise Control. Obviously, yeah. And the Lost Boys. Sure. 
And Lost Boys 2. It was very... It was, was there a Lost Boys 2? It there was. Was, very, it was, was that a straight and to three. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Like in the... Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there was a third Lost Boys as well, yeah. I didn't even know there was a second. It started... Corey, Corey Haim came back. Corey Feldman... I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. Corey Feldman came back. Corey Haim was not invited back. Yeah, he was probably too... too into the drugs at the time. No, that was during one of his brief clean periods. Oh, well, um, then what the hell? And it was actually a focal point of the reality TV show, The Two Corys, where Corey Feldman was invited back, but Corey Haim wasn't. And Corey Feldman said, Hey, man, I wasn't invited back for the second Ninja Turtles movie, but I came back for the third one, so maybe you'll come back for Lost Boys 3. Spoiler alert, he did not. Oh. I guess they didn't like him sober. Yeah, well, that, that's Too some super. Soon, yeah. That was a lot of shade from Low right there, but it you was. What though? I'm not throwing any shade. I, you know, whatever. Sorry, I didn't mean to infer that you threw shade. It was just sort of like, I, I could see them not liking him sober because he. For not liking. Him he, he was more fun as a drunk. That's what I'm saying. Some people are just. I'm not saying he was fun uh, sober. I think he went through a lot of shit. And uh, fuck them for not wanting him. As documented in the uh, in the film, License to Drive. If that was anything. Or the two Corys, <laughs> which was the I still gotta watch that. That was a Lifetime movie that was produced last year, and it looks like glorious trash. Um, so. All right. So anyway, so, so the start of the film. Corey Haim. What we're trying to say is rest in peace, Corey Haim. A Canadian treasure. Reminded me of Star Lost of Boys. Prayer of the Roller Boys. But it's uh, it's basically these these fascists uh, wearing their black trench coats chasing a young man named Morgan, mm-hmm. uh, who they call a yeah, stoner. They're just at times taunting and... him throughout these like they're taunting him in the forest. Morgan, Morgan. And actually, that calling out of Morgan, like Morgan, come out, Morgan, come out. That was actually, I believe, an homage to the Vincent Price film, The Last Man on Earth, which was the first filmic adaptation of I Am Legend, which got remade, which got made into the Will Smith movie, which was not that great, and The Omega Man, which is freaking awesome. If you've never seen The Omega Man, I highly recommend it. It's just back before Charlton Heston went crazy. What about the Vincent Price movie? The Last Man on Earth. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's my favorite version of that story. Oh okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like I like that story quite a bit. Except I don't. I wasn't a fan of the Will Smith version. I was a fan of the direct DVD knockoff I Am Omega, which came out, which was quite good. Oh, was that the Asylum one? Uh, yes. Good old with, Asylum um, films. With uh, what's his name from? We, we should almost have an Asylum. Uh, no, we should. I, I no? do not. I do not support the Asylum. <laughs> the Asylum. The Asylum does not want their films to be fun. They do not want their films to have a sense of humor. They, they did Titanic 2 as well. I know. I sat through 40 terrible minutes of that before I shut it off. The Da Vinci treasure. Yep. And Snakes on a Train. Yep. Alien versus Hunter. Alien versus Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> and Sharknado's 1 through 5. And Transmorphers. Don't forget about and Transmorphers. And Transmorphers. The, uh, the letdown of Christmas mornings everywhere. <laughs> Transmorphers. Oh, Grandpa, you got me the Transformers. Oh, no. It's Transmorphers. Oh, the asylum. Probably in a Walmart uh, <laughs> dollar bin. Yeah. I'm totally lost. <sighs> That's actually a good thing that you don't know about the asylum picture. So the asylum are a company that produces, they're called Mockbusters. So they basically like confuse people that used to go into Blockbuster or Rogers Video or anything to like rent like 
It would oh. work too. Trust yeah, me, totally, I, I worked yeah. at Blockbuster during their uh, their reign, mm-hmm. and people so, like, would be fooled, and they'd come back kind of angry. And you're yeah. like, "Well, I mean, wait, wait, wait. So what's the fool? So like, so so when the Transformers movie came out, the big one, they'd go into Blockbuster like two weeks later. Oh my god, it's already out on video. It's the Transmorphers, and it's oh, got yeah, like Prada and. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Some knockoff. So when uh, the snakes on a plane, they release snakes the, on a train. The Da Vinci Code was out in theaters. The Da Vinci Treasure comes yeah. out. A combination of National Treasure and the Da Vinci Code. Are they not pornos? No. no, no, no. Sadly not. Um, enough, they're not. Porn. And when uh, Abraham Lincoln vamp so Abraham Lincoln satisfied. Abraham Lincoln Vampire Slayer Vampire. came out, they released Abraham Lincoln Zombie Hunter. Yeah, like a colleague no, of Abraham mine was... Lincoln, like Abraham Lincoln versus zombies. Yeah. I, I, I a friend of mine was, was, was talking about this film that she saw, and she was like, it's not very good. It was supposed to be good. It's called San Andreas Fault. And I'm oh, like, oh, no, 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 San Andreas with The Rock. No, it was called San Andreas Fault. Yes, that was the asylum just like, just, just sneaking on in there. Holy shit, really? Yeah, when The Walking Dead got big, they released a TV series called... What was that series called? Because it's still on. And, yeah, I know the one you're talking about. And people actually say it's like their one good thing. My brother-in-law watches it quite a oh, bit. Oh, it's not called... I tried to watch it. It's, it's quite bad. It's not called iZombie. No. What is it? Jesus, I know what you're talking it's about. Like it's like Zed still, Wars or something? It's or... still on space. Yeah. Uh, when I, I briefly interned at Bell, that was one of our shows. Whatever his name is. Um, I forget, but yeah, it's still on TV. That's crazy that they just like blatantly... They just retitle it like in the same exact way? Wow. Oh yeah, their only success ever of an original film has been Sharknado, but that was terrible. Have you seen Sharknado, guys? I never saw them, no. Lil? Yeah, don't. Sharknado, I watched Sharknado and Sharknado Sharknado 2. Uh, Sharknado 1 has the sad, sad uh, distinction of being the last one that Charles Grodin started. No, was it Charles Grodin? No. Charles um, Grodin's still alive. Sorry, the the dad from Home Alone. What's his name? John Hurd. John Hurd. It was John Hurd's last film before he passed away. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like the idea John of John like, Hurt. No, that's yeah, not John his Hurt's, name. Yeah, John Hurt is dead, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's not the dad in Home Alone. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah it is. is. Yes, yeah. it is. He was also the uh, corrupt cop on season one of The Sopranos. Yeah, he, he started as a drunk in Sharknado and died. After his hours. name John Hurt? Yeah. I always thought it was the guy in um, uh, The Big Easy. John Hurt. The one who suffered from... Post-traumatic. Are you thinking of Dennis Quaid? No. John Hurt. John sorry, Hurt. Sorry, we're saying John Hurd with a D. Oh. oh, John Hurt is also dead, by the way, but that's... Yeah, R.I.P. both John Hurt and John Hurd. Both right. both okay. our Johns are dead. Okay, yes. okay, 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 okay. And both are past tense verbs. Uh. Hurt is in The Big Easy. And Hellboy. Um... And a bunch of the stuff. Big Easy? John Hurt With was in everything. Kevin Klein and yeah. Glenn Close. The Big Easy? Yeah. yeah. That's the Big Chill. Yeah. The Big Chill. Thank you. The Big Easy. You're thinking of summer. William Hurt. The, yeah. William. Not John. <laughs> John. Oh, my God. John Hurt and William Hurt is still alive. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I didn't think he was dead. Yeah. So, John Hurt. I heard you. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's... Yeah. I was yeah. sad about that. I like him. Anyway, just yeah. brief follow up. Zed Nation or Z Nation. Z Nation, that's the one. The, yeah, yeah. Asylum zombie show. Yeah, Z- the Asylum Z- Walking Nation. Dead. We're in Canada. Here. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. right. That's right. Come on, Kit, get with J-Z, it. JZ, I listen to. I know JZ. <laughs> TMZ. That's <laughs> where I go to get my mm-hmm. gossip. 
I do actually when we ever when when so when I work in commercials we occasionally get American companies up here with what we do is called a road show where an American production company essentially hires a Canadian crew and runs it through a, a Canadian production company and I always make sure at every chance to drop Z and to spell every single word with a U just in case <laughs> So I've been listening to ZZ Top on the yeah. way over. Oh man, ZZ Top are the best. I even like so so one of them wanted to go to a karaoke night and I was like, "Oh, I'll send you to this place. It's right above this bar called Clinton's and below they have a um they have a 90s dance party so that you can go to afterwards." And I'm like, "Great. What's it called?" I'm like, "It's it's called Jams with a Z." And I looked and I like just said the hardest Z ever. Zed's dead, baby. Oh yeah, dude. Back to dangerously close. All right. So we've seen the death, the passing of Morgan. That was a long roundabout way of getting to it. Yeah, so, well, 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 did we even get to a point where like we he was being hung upside down? And no, no, we didn't. We didn't at all. Yeah. So, so did they Morgan do a fake is execution. Morgan yeah. is being chased through these woods. It's super foggy. He can't see shit. He's being taunted. He's being chased by a group of people in black. Right. Yeah, they're wearing blacked out like hockey masks and long dark trench coats. They're very, they're they're definitely black eyeliner. Yeah, they're definitely like in, evoking the the got, the SS. You know, they got knives, they got guns. Um, they're chasing him through the woods. They finally he he seems to bypass them, but they're taunting him the whole way, and he gets his foot caught in uh, a trap, which. Renders him hanging upside, upside down. down. Yeah, yeah he's prone upside down, and the the sentinels. Yeah, from a tree, and the sentinels, as we learn to call them later on, surround him and kind of like give him a warning, like "stop smoking pot or else." And then they like hold a gun up to his face and fire it, and it's a paint. It's a paint. He's begging for his life, pleading, begging. He's just in complete turmoil, and they're. They shoot him right square in the head, and it turns we, out we to be We find out that this is kind of their paintball. MO. They go around and they do... I thought it was going to be some sort of, like, initiation. Like, they're oh. initiating him into some group. But, no. Uh, no. No. By the way, if you shoot a guy or anyone point blank in the face with a paintball gun, they're probably going to get a concussion. Like, that's... Like, paintball is meant for, like, long-distance shooting. I, I don't and you think never, they were worried about no, that. No, <laughs> you don't really care about that. It's like, okay, I'm still alive, but I just went through this really, fucking Between crap. the eyes, too. And, and, and whatever, they let him go, okay? That's the bottom line. They let him go, uh, and he's just shaking and quaking. They all take off. And what does Morgan do? Well, he's like, oh, I'm going to get back at them. I'm going to throw a rock. He throws a rocket like the so, so. the last car that's driving away, he throws a rock and clean, damn, like, completely ruins that whole entire windshield. windshield yeah. Yeah. And this car is listening to classical, classical music, music on at 1220 AM. We can't see who's driving. And yeah, it's a first-person POV shot. Now, the, now the interesting thing—we're going we're gonna to spoil this movie a little bit—and I realize it just now is that, and I've seen this movie a bunch of times, and this is the first time I put it together. So, one of our characters, Randy, his name is played by John Sockwell, one of the writers on this film, um, who we discussed in the intro quite a bit. He actually says to our main character, Danny Lennox. Um, oh, my! My car's in the shop to get fixed, and I never put it together until now. I said that. I said at the time because your windshield's broken. I totally missed it because I always assume. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's all. It's all a 
rich tapestry. But the, the, the movie pulled one over eyes. We were pretty certain it was one of the teachers who were doing the killing. The teacher who's kind of like in charge of the Sentinels. Well, he was super quaffed. Like when the guy who was listening to the classical music and who killed this Morgan, he actually killed the student. When he came out, he was all like, you would just see his silhouette and he was all super quaffed and like clean shaven and all this stuff and like really tight and put together, right? Preppy, like a prep look. Um, And whatever, he kills, he falls into attack with this uh, Morgan character. He kills him and that's all we know. The next day we're back at school and we see this meeting of a teacher and these guys all around hustling huddling and talking We're, about something actually the next thing we see is i guess our hero or hero waking up after he, and we up. see we see that he's he's read several he's also he's the editor books. of a paper so he's the editor of the student got, newspaper he's he's like asleep at his typewriter because he fell asleep doing homework he's got like four or five alarm clocks that are set to go off he's reading gentleman's quarterly he's reading some some literature he also has his the zen, he uh, also has he also has his princeton university application just sitting there on his desk which he looks at longing before he falls asleep every night, and then he's the, got like a drafting table in there too. Yeah, he's got a drafting and table bunk in his bedroom. beds inexplicably, which we couldn't figure out because there's no. There's well, no. The books are on the top uh, bunk. Yeah, and he, he slept on, on the bottom. bottom. But well, I mean, there, we, there must we, have been like a younger brother that died. We, no, no, we we get to understand there's, right there's away some backstory that hidden there. We get to understand right away that he's not so well off. Like the the everything is so tight and small, and like kind of just all over and it's like really compact well he lives in what looks like an auto body shop it's kind of a 16 candle situation because the dad is like always in his bathrobe and never going to work promising to work harder and to try better and to do this and he's this he's this guy who he's this high school student who um wants to rise above and like kind of kind of rise above where he is right now and everything Yeah, yeah Yeah, it's kind of like some kind of wonderful. Right he's kind of like yeah. the Eric Stoltz, and yeah. uh, well, Eric Stoltz, Stoltz is the the some kind of wonderful is the male like version. Kind of uh, when 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 he comes home after that night, that drunken night, and his dad's on his ass again. Oh, you look beautiful. I knew, I knew there was going to be some sort of like, fuck you, man. Leave me alone, dad. You know. Can, right. we, can we watch the final words? I have to bleep all those out. Sorry. It's okay. I know you're you're excited because this movie is so so good. Um, yeah, Roger Ebert doesn't know what he's talking about. By the way, R.I.P. We'll, Roger we'll Ebert. He, he does make some good. He does make some valid points in that review. I no, he does not, Phil. What are his points. Well, we'll get to he's, that. We'll get to that. Yeah, Roger. Well, he's just sad that it's not the way we were, or out of Africa, or some other crap, or the Valley of the Dolls, or the Valley of the Dolls, or <laughs> beneath the Valley of the Ultravictions that he wrote. Um, so basically he's picked up from, from home after feeding his fish that's way too big for the bowl that it's in. Oh my god, this is a giant fish in a It looks like a bowl. fish that should live in the ocean. That's and like it's, a carp. <laughs> I don't think little... the fish could actually turn around in that bowl. Oh it's, no. The no. fish is the size of the bowl. That, that, that fish way. is literally breathing its own piss and waste and stuff. Yeah, it's if it can. And talk, he's feeding it like pop tarts. Yeah, the dad fed, fed it pop tarts. If that. No, but we, we, we get to understand right away that the father is kind of he's not deadbeat, but he he's kind of like uh yeah he's looking at the fish bowl right there on the table and he's like yeah I really gotta get a bigger bowl for I think, this fish. I think this is meant as a metaphor. Our hero is it's a big fish in a, in a bowl small pond that is too small for him. Oh. Oh. That's what he thinks. 
Oh, Kit's gotten a little analytical. A little analytical. I, I, I think that's as deep as the movie gets. But. <laughs> and following this scene, we are introduced to, I think what we can all say is the absolute hero of the film, the Christ figure, if you would, Kruger. Kruger, what's his last name, too? That is his last name. No, it's not. Kruger Reigns. Kruger Reigns. Because he rains knowledge upon He's you. He's got two last names. He rains upon my heart. He drives a Mustang with built-in pop-up speakers. He listens to cool punk rock. He does really bad Jamaican patois. <laughs> In one scene, he smokes. Hey, come smoke. on. When that melody comes on the radio, you got to ride it. Although I do have to say, punk rockers. You there, rock there, there was, it up. Whoa, 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 whoa. Do not compare. Do not compare. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Do not compare. You can No, no. Do not. Do not compare Crackzilla to Kruger. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. You gotta. You gotta remember the kid. And you don't know this because you are not a punk rock fan. But there was a lot of crossover between the reggae. how The reggae community and the punk rock community. I do so, understand that. Graham's okay. a Clash fan here. Yeah, exactly. By the way, I listened back to that episode where you called London Calling not that good, Kit. It just seems overrated to me. <laughs> Your face is overrated, Kit. Oh! That may be. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. That's, that's a low blow. It's one of the greatest albums of all time. Um, so, it was okay. <sighs> you saw Limp Bizkit in person. Let's hey, not, you, were, you were a big fan. We were we were guys, all cataloging not, our let's, love let's for Limp Bizkit earlier. Let's, 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 let's not get limp. Yeah. Whatever, you saw them in person. I would never also, go that far. Also, it was Lillian who was singing Roland earlier. But that's all I got. I don't know. <laughs> that was a touchstone of an era of which we all want to forget gra- like greatly. <laughs> so anyways, back to, to uh, Dangerous. Keep rolling, rolling, rolling. I will not drop that that song track on this episode ever. Please don't. Mm. Rollin, well, now rollin, I do. Rollin. Get those bugs rolling. Rawhide. Don't say it again. Fix it, yeah. <laughs> All right, so, so they arrive anyway. at high school, which is where we meet our Sentinels, who are having the meeting, like Lil was talking about, with their teacher, and they're 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 they're, they're, they're like literally having a fucking like screening of everybody that walks by like yeah okay this is also where we're introduced to the characters of brian and ripper so ripper is kind of ripper is kind of like our out of control member of the sentinels and brian is the guy that's like maybe we're going too far by the way brian is played by tom matthews all-around good guy star of friday the 13th part six the killer of Jason Voorhees. He's the reluctant sentinel. Yeah, he's the kind of guy where was like, I thought we were just doing this to clean up graffiti, and now all of a sudden we're hanging up guys from trees. <laughs> That's not what I signed up, up for. Dead. Yeah, th- this is this is going way beyond what I signed up for. And Ripper has a cap, uh, an embroidered cap. That says Ripper, Ripper yeah. yeah. Just so you know, this man is Ripper. Yeah. And um, so then, then we, we are introduced to a scene at the student newspaper where our hero Danny Lennox is the editor of it and it's John Stockwell as Randy giving them all a lecture of like hey you call this vigilantes and being as insufferable as he can possibly be totally like, telling the teacher to shush at yeah he, he shows the teacher many times the teacher that oversees it miss whatever she um she, like, can I talk here yeah she's she he's doing the whole Rob Ford thing and she's doing the whole like 
human being thing. And um, he's more of a Doug Ford. Uh, sorry, I meant Doug Ford. He's not definitely Ford. more of a Doug. Yeah, Ford. he's a Doug. Ripper is the Rob Ford of that crew. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the guy that where it's just sort of like if you kind of explain like, hey. There's this thing called climate change. He'd be like, "Oh God, we gotta fix that." Well, there was a Randy Ford too, although I yeah, guess, he's know. still around. I saw him at the convention. I wasn't there, but I, I watched Fairly it on enough, TV. enough, all these guys are blonde. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That that's the. He was uh, Ripper was more like an O'Banion from Days and Confused. Like he was Most just definitely. like angry yeah. and like ready to go and like. Just, just point me at him. Just point me at him. I do have to say, by the end of the film, Ripper kind of like—I don't want to say he redeems himself, but he kind of like. Yes, he does. There's an arc. Because, There's an arc. Because, he gets shot in the face. He, he gets shot in the eyeball with some paint gun, and then all of a sudden he sees the air of his. Yeah, ways. and he's like even in you got to remember like even in the scene where they're in the bar and like he like someone tries to stab him, he doesn't react with a knife. He goes to spray paint a kid's car. Yeah, it, it's weird. But then he shoots at that kid like. At his window, he shoots at the house. He shoots at the house with a gun. Are you sure it's a gun? I think it's a paint gun, but uh, it turns gun. out that they were yeah, all paintball guns. Paint. But we didn't know that at the time. No, we did. We knew it from right from the first scene because that's where the, that was the whole gag of like when they were getting Morgan was that it, he, he was shot with a paintball well, gun. We didn't well, know no, that all Graham, the guns they were, were kind of building it up to like we're trying to think yes. that they do kind of just kind of kill them in the end. But we're we supposed to, to think see... that Ripper goes too far here. Yeah, yeah, I do. I, yeah, sorry, I apologize. We we do like I was wrong in that situation in that scenario. Um, it, it is all set up that Ripper is in fact a violent sociopath, although it turns out that he might not we're be. Like we're led to believe that they've they started out a certain way and it kind of just kind of got out of control. L- Lillian Brian... was you were ready to knock these fellows out. Lillian, was, I hated we had to them hold from, her back at some point. I hated them from the first. I told them to go read a book or something. Yeah, that's that's what she said. If only people read more books. Like The Shining. What were you anyway, about? well, young men should read is what they should do. That's yes. what Lillian was saying, that these young fellows... I, 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 I didn't like this right away. I, I was like, these guys are... Fucking bad news. They're bad news, and they can shampoo my crotch. <laughs> Don't give them that privilege, Lillian. My God. My God, They Lillian. can also champ on my crotch, That's to be honest with you. Out. She said shampoo. That's a big shout out to Jack Nicholson in As Good As It Gets. I heard champ on my crotch. People who use metaphors out of shampoo my crotch. Shampoo my crotch. I like that. Because oh, I thought you said champ on my crotch. This is I'm like, going That's a- straight to hell. That's a saying right there. That's a turn of phrase. That is. Uh, hey, take what you want. <laughs> so after this meeting with the uh, the student newspaper, where the editor, who is played by our um, who is our hero Danny Lennox, he agrees. Like, okay, I'm going to print um, Randy's uh, rebuttal editorial to that. The so basically the, the paper in an editorial wrote that these people, the Sentinels, are car- are group made up of Brian, Randy, Ripper, and a bunch of other miscellaneous uh, uh, Aryan youth. Brian, um, Ra- Brian and Randy are such lame names. I know, Brian. <laughs> I'm Brian. I'm Randy. I'm Ripper. Uh, Brian, Randy, and Ripper. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, so, so we get to yeah. understand. There's also an opening, pan, like a camera pan, uh, of um, Lennox's uh, room and it shows everything like it shows the articles that um, well, we, there's, yeah, we, there's some vigilantes and they're taking care of things they're cleaning up and and we we, we kind of get that idea after the scene with Malcolm and then we Morgan s- Morgan sorry I don't know why I keep we're all forgetting his name Morgan 
And then uh, we see at the school, there's like this little like, you know, this group of guys and the t- and a teacher and they're just kind of like assessing everyone little by little. They're mm-hmm. having this little huddle and we know that something's going on. And then there's that meeting. Yeah, so that's the scene that we, we then lead into the, the meeting with the student newspaper. And as we pan across the newspaper, it is clearly, uh, it is a group of minorities yeah we get to understand what these guys in black are have undertaken for themselves and they're they're kind of like the police of the school and we we see them at the start of the day before the the news uh newsroom conference too where they what what's his name crockett what's the teacher's name oh i forget forget. corbin corbin corby something like that corby corbett well, anyway, he's yeah. all like, uh, well, there's some graffiti over there. Are mm-hmm. you guys going to take care of that? Just kind yeah. of like general. Like- yeah, they kind of stayed in this meeting that uh, violence and just overall mishaps have gone down in uh, the past. Car thefts and stuff like car that. Car thefts, graffiti. It's gone down since the Sentinels, the police of the school have kind of taken over. And it, it's safer for everyone. And that's when the teacher says, uh, safer for who? Yeah, Ooh. they have to like. And then Randy's all like, will you let me finish? So this is the meeting at the at the news the student newspaper that kid's talking about. Yeah, and the and the teacher, I guess she's she's kind of against this. You get to know this right away, and she's, she's against what they're doing. Too. And she questions them, and she brings our hero to speak and to kind of lay his voice on the matter. And what does he do, Phil? He he. Oh, sorry, Phil. Go ahead. You weren't listening, were you, Phil? No, I wasn't. He gives their full blessing. He He says, you guys have really cleaned up. He doesn't do that. He gives a very diplomatic response. I think if if your intentions are good, then you're doing a good thing. Exactly. He does a diplomatic response where he's like, if what you say is true, then then this is a good thing. If you're looking to the well-being of the students, then yes. He walked it right down the line. He's the Ron Howard of... And what does my baby Kruger give him shit for after? Well, he, he draws him as a Nazi, and then he goose steps behind him as he's inviting Danny to come join him for dinner. Um, and Kruger is not happy about yeah. that either. The, the, the fi- oh. Why'd you? Why'd you? Well, what the hell was that? What are you? What are you doing that for? These guys are bad. But unfortunately, Danny, you know, he is our protagonist, so therefore he is kind of like as bland as a as a wheat flavored pie he looks like lee pace and i'm the only one who apparently knows who i lee know pace who is. lee pace is i get it he's in halt and catch fire he's in pushing daisies he was in the movies in the hobbit movies no one saw the hobbit movies <laughs> <laughs> no one and i apologize i love peter jackson his films brain dead and bad taste are two of my favorites and the original trilogy lord of the rings yeah, were done well they were. the first one kind of put me to sleep the second one i was like yeah i'm in for this and the third one i was like this is the first movie that ever wrapped up everything so completely so um so our our hero danny goes over to randy's house An to important important side point is uh as yes. randy points out he's like yeah you clean my pool right you know where the house is no no no, no. he asks him because he invites Danny over for Danny. That's right. Over do you there. Know where that... And Danny says, yeah, I clean your pool. And Randy's like, oh, yeah, you do, don't you? That's right. That's right. Because the wealthy. He didn't even remember that he cleaned his pool for fuck's sake. Well, because he's, he's Cause the, the rich. Because we- the wealthy don't look the poor in the eye. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The class divide. Yep. Have we got class divides here. Class divide. Um, 
So anyways, he goes over for dinner. And we get the class divides girlfriend's wink. Okay, so here's what happens next. So Danny shows up at Randy's house, goes in, gets offered a drink. He accepts it. He's wearing a blazer and tie, which later on someone says like, oh, it's so cool you're wearing vintage. I want to, but my parents won't let me because they say it looks poor. Ha, ha, ha. It's his dad dad's blazer and tie. So anyways, at the house, he looks out and sees there's a beautiful lady, young lady leaving, coming out of the pool. That is our character of Julie. At sunset all of a sudden, even At though sunset. it was just daylight. Yeah, I know, wow. but it looks... Pool, and the sunset, and it's like on a cliff, and there's like a huge cactus plant she's, in the background. She's like Kathy Ireland and, coming and out of the like water there. purple clouds, and it's just beautiful. I was going to say, it's more like Phoebe Cates in uh, Fast Times at Richmond High, but without the nudity. So she comes out of the pool, she's wearing... You know, a swimsuit, nothing too revealing, but still, it's just like, oh my god. It's and funny, because I got a layer of, like, less than zero in this, too. Yeah. yeah kind of, too, yeah. Some yeah. of the editing yeah. style. There's some less than zero-ness in here, definitely. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, so this is Julie. She comes out of the pool. She kind of looks at Danny and then asks Randy when dinner is ready. And you guys are all confused, because you said, like, oh, she's obviously the sister. I haven't seen this film in, like, over two years, so I kind of thought that she... I, I kind of remember her being the girlfriend. Then it turns out she actually is the girlfriend of Randy. So she's just over there for dinner. So they have dinner. Um, Danny meets Randy's father, and Randy kind of is like, you know, you're the boy that cleans our pool, right? And Danny's like, yeah. So how come you're going to, to Vista Verde, which is the high school they all, all go to? And it turns out he's there as part of a program to let under underprivileged kids, teenagers, who have... Um, above average grades go to a better high school so that they could possibly get a better chance for an education. Well, yeah. Um, Lennox basically ends up having dinner at their house with the family and the father's just feeling him out. Like, what are your, you know, what are your hopes? What are your intentions for the future? And all this crap. You fucking yeah. cool boy. You know. And he seems really bored and, and it's really man, And the old man's like, oh, you're trying to get a scholarship. Hey, you could take one of Randy's, take one of Randy's scholarships. scholarships oh, you know, because yeah. Randy can sleep through class and get his scholarship. Yeah. So then oh, we um, can pay his tuition. Yeah. So then, from from that situation, we see that um, Randy goes to. Randy invites uh, Danny to come out with him to a club they're going to, and Danny even remarks like, "I thought you had to be a twenty-one. I never get in this club." And Randy says, "It's okay. I know the owner." So she, so they're going in in his in a in a Porsche, which is actually it, it his father's. It also helps that they they're literally thirty two years old. <laughs> yeah, they're they're that they're that thing like and you. It's awesome. The drive over, um, Julie. Julie is on Lennox's lap, and you see her legs. Like you see that she's like on his lap, the wind's blowing, the roof's down, and it and 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 you see that the driver. Which is the the boyfriend of this Randy. girl, Randy? You see that he just doesn't really care. After after Julie cold shouldered the uh, poor Donnie. Before, yeah, she suddenly yeah. gets very warm with him. But I should point out that like I've driven in the Los Angeles area at night, and that's kind of what it's like. You're driving down this highway. It's warm. There's wind blowing in. It's, it's it gets dark really quick. It's 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 kind of awesome. Like the, 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 the intimacy between um, this, the, the girlfriend, who I thought was the sister, uh, and... Donnie. Like, it kind of... Donnie, yeah. Danny. Like you see it right away, and it's, like, made clear. I'm pretty sure it's Donnie. 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 
That was Danny Lennox. Donnie. Donnie. Oh, he's checking the tape, folks. He's checking the Don't tape. Bother. The tape. Won't even believe his own friends. <laughs> the Blu-ray. It doesn't include the characters' names. Doesn't be this just to satisfy Grams. So, anyways, um, they get to this club where the other Sentinels are hanging out, and their teacher. Dun 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 dun. What is he doing there? I know, like he's way too old. Like these kids are way too young to be at this club, and this teacher is way too old. And like, and and of course, we see Ripper fucking throwing his hair around and just being that freaking ripper that he is that O'Banion that's just like a bunch of hot air you know and it's like you're kind of like these are the guys that are like they have this like idea about the school and they have to uphold some sort of standard but really they're just a bunch of bullies yes and we get to see that in the club and the teacher is there too and it's like what is the teacher doing there and Randy even says like oh I guess he's just having a drink with an old army buddy from Nam. Sorry, Kate. Yeah, you- um, Lennox was kind of like, "Whoa, Mr. Corgan's here, or whatever." And mm-hmm. he's like, "Yeah, he's just an old, you know, war buddy or whatever." Kit looks very pleased with himself. What do you have to say, Kit? Oh, I got nothing. Was it well, what was the IMDb B, D, IMDb name? It's not important, Graham. It's it, so it's correct then, right? I'm correct. Is what you're saying? It's Danny. It's, Donnie. it's not important. It's, it's Danny. It's Donny. It's Danny. It's Danny. I told you guys. Ah. Or IMDb is wrong, which is always possible. It's always possible, but not in this case because I paid attention. I've seen this movie (laughs) enough times to know. Graham, you didn't even know if this was the girlfriend or the sister. I knew it was the girlfriend. You guys all argue with me that it was the sister. I wrote down Donnie. I heard Donnie, too. Maybe they were speaking with some weird accent. It's a typo. It's a typo. It's It's Danny. Danny, you're out of your element. You just cursed again, Lil. We're going to have to take the L on this one, Lil. We're gonna the take loss. the L. So, anyways, um, take the lol. So, anyways, same shit. Take the same lols. stuff. Take the lil out of this one. So, anyways, uh, Danny gets quite drunk at this party. He kind of like hangs out with the girlfriends He's of the, of the Jack Sentinels. Daniel straight out of the bottle. I know. There. And then and they. This is the perfect chance for Randy, the head leader. To take Lennox under his wing and kind of show him what they do. Well, they go off to the washroom, the Sentinels, sans Danny. Um, they go off to the, uh, the washroom. Yeah, they're talking a little bit about that character. What's like, his name again? Leon? Leon. Who was played by... I have to look yes, it up. He w- totally bully Leon. They got... They, 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 Leon? They're seeing red for Leon. What the hell are you guys talking about? Remember We're talking about the guy. Up, they show up at his okay. apartment and, and... Oh, right, right, right. The guy, the, the graffiti. So they're talking about, we're going to go... Throw uh, him into a salad We're going to rough that up, but none of the usual stuff because we've got Danny with us. Yes, and Ripper's like, Did what? we even mention the part where it's like the homophobic graffiti? Oh, That's oh, much yeah. later on. That comes, that comes okay. next. And you know, that's not really homophobic. That's just I them. Mean, I didn't understand what in that, context, who I that guess graffiti I mean, was for. Mr. 80s, Mr. Devil likes, or Mr. Devil sucks cock? That's Randy's last name. No, they called a Devlin sucks cock, which is kind of homophobic, Randy's but it's also a it standard is, high school it's, taunt. It's, yeah. I don't know. It's, and, it's, and that guy that they went and paintballed is behind it? They No, actually, I think it's uh, Kruger that turns out to be behind it because he's like, did you get my message? My man. Anyway, we're skipping yeah. ahead. We're skipping ahead. 
So <laughs> our our listening audience counts us counts on us. Listening Recapping audience, if you're there, please just drop yes. what you're doing. And if you really like, just want to check out a cool movie, just like, just go and check out Dangerously Close because that's all you really got to do. And sorry, so um, Leon is played by Miguel A. Nunez Jr., who is one of the leads of one of my favorite films, Return of the Living Dead. He was also in Friday the 13th Part 5, and he was in Street Fighter the movie, and Scooby-Doo the movie, and what else? Oh, yeah, I remember him in Friday the 13th Part 5. He's the yep. kid's older brother, right? Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> I don't remember him in Scooby-Doo, I don't remember him in Scooby-Doo either. Oh, Leon. Okay. Yeah, Leon played DJ in uh, in Street Fighter, the movie from 1994. He's the one that says, that actually fills in one of the bad guys on the fact that M. Bison actually is a bad guy. And they're like, what do you mean M. Bison is a bad guy? He's like, people have come from all over the world to fight this guy. He's the bad guy. Did you guys hear that whole thing about, um, well, in <clears throat> Japan... M. Bison was yes. the name of the boxing character. Yeah, they changed it because M. Because Bison was M. Bison, Mike, Mike, Mike Tyson. Tyson. So yeah. Mike Bison. So they switched it over, yeah. So they switched yeah. it over, but apparently that was not cool in North America or whatever. Well, what it was was it, it they, and, were, just, and, they uh, were just concerned they didn't want to get any kind of legal kerfuffle because like in, in foreign countries you can kind of get away with that. That's like how there's an Alien 2 and Terminator 2 in Italy that so, are not alien aliens or Terminator 2 Judgment Day. So the boxing By the way, character, I've seen Terminator 2 from Italy. It's better than Terminator 2 Judgment Day. What, what was the boxing character's name in uh, in the video game that was like Baraka or something like Baraka, that? Baraka, something like that, yeah. Anyway, that's supposed to be M. Bison's name. Anyway. Yeah, they so. switched it around to avoid a lawsuit. Also, at the time, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out was popular, so that kind of like... I think, well, they I had think to switch that issue. after the old... Uh, oh, right after they, yeah, when they the jumped to... Yeah, when they jumped to Super NES and it became just Punch-Out! Super NES! Well, even they, they re-released uh, Punch-Out for the NES with uh, just, Super Macho Man instead of... Uh, Super Macho Man. Instead of Mike Tyson as the bad guy. Not Randy Savage, though, unfortunately. No. So we are taking forever to get through this movie. So... Um, they then go to Leon's house with like we're gonna we're gonna graffiti something he likes. So they decide to graffiti like this guy's family station wagon. Danny is barely like conscious. Danny, of this Danny point. is he's like, like just sipping. Jack he's Daniel. like that. For who are, who are we talking about Donnie by any chance? Yes, Danny. <laughs> Donnie. Danny. Danny. I don't know what he Danny. Just just say it with like an accent, Danny. <sighs> Danny is the name of our main character, Lil. It's Donnie. Okay, fine. It's not it's Donnie. Not it's Donnie. Donnie. Albert Pune himself will confer with me. Can so I call him up? I, I'm, okay. We'll see. I'm going to send an email to Albert Pune to see if I can get an interview with him for the last episode, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> cool. It's like my favorite new kid on the block, Danny Wahlberg. Tell him we love Dangerously Close, and we want to know, is it Danny or Donnie? Like, <laughs> and we love Cyborg, and we're going to love... Trust me, you're going to love... We love him. Yeah, tell him, tell him that your friend Lillian is like... In, in 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 a craze about Nemesis. Tell, tell him that we feel like Nemesis could have used some plot work. It could no. have been a little bit more no. coherent. No, no, that that's no. from the that's from the, the from the dumb side of the podcast. <laughs> the dumb side of the podcast. The the right side. Wow. The right stuff saw everything that they needed to see. <laughs> so, anyways, we uh, we're at this, this podcast we're at, is flying off the rails. We're at Leon's house where the Sentinels decided to graffiti. Like we love it. We're at Leon's house where, where the Sentinels decide to graffiti his, like, family station wagon. They start doing it, and all of a sudden Leon's like, hey, what are you guys doing? And then all of a sudden they run down. And the like, shot's being fired, and 
a whole bunch of paintball and they don't sound like paintball shots though was i they are no, they, they don't. Yeah. They sound yeah, like gunfire. Yeah, because remember, remember Brian. And I think this is intentional the, the, the to confuse Brian, the audience. The Brian, the guy who turns away from from the Sentinels, he says, you know, he mentioned something like it's always, it's just supposed to be paintball, and no, it's that's getting that's into, Ripper at the end. Right, Ripper at the end. He says it's just paintball. It's just paintball, man. It's not supposed to be anything else, and people are but what i'm saying is at the time yeah, when we see them shoot up there, Leon there's Taos confusion because because again like the whole i think movie, the audience is being led to the whole movie they, is a bit of a bait and switch that that the sentinels are all bad guys who are like just actively killing people whereas they are misguided youths who just need to like learn the error of their ways well, except for fucking Randy. i kind of i kind of got that they're not <laughs> killing people they're just causing a lot of shit um i kind of got that at that scene too that they're just like shit disturbers. Um, They're technically shit rebuilders because they clean up graffiti and stuff. <laughs> so but it went astray. It went a little far. So they're rebuilding shit. Little... Like shit has deteriorated, and they're like, we're gonna they, build that they, shit back they, up. They mean to just scare these people that they think need to be corrected, but they <laughs> they end up going a little bit far, but not as far as we think. But we should point out that this is, in fact, based on a true story of, of teens that did go that far. I could, I could totally see that. I mean... Oh, so could I, for yeah. sure. All right, I'm going to take us through this uh, the rest of the plot real quick here. Okay, well, go I'm for it, kid. to get a hobby, and you guys are like, this is the hobby. <laughs> <laughs> I think we did say that. <laughs> um, so, next day, Leon's in the uh, the lunchroom. They're all getting lunch, and Leon's like, yeah, you you." But assholes. first of all, they dropped off Danny at his house, wasted, and then the next morning, Randy goes by to pick him up before before Kruger can get there, and Randy gives uh, Danny a ride home, ride to school, and he's like, oh, man, last night was a little crazy. And he's like, what do we do? He's like, ah, nothing. We fired off a couple pop pot shots at some stop signs, but, you know, it was a little too much, but, you know, you need to get that out of your system every once in a while keep going well all right uh so then they get to school kruger's obviously pissed that uh mm. danny is hanging out with the sentinels it's I'm danny saying it with, i'm saying it with quotation marks lillian don't I you hate, worry I hate you. <laughs> um <laughs> lennox just let's just call him lennox yeah uh lennox um he, kruger's upset at lennox because he didn't okay, ride i couldn't with hate him. you you know that right Sometimes like it's I'm like impossible so sure, right lillian. Anyway, so then we get to the lunchroom, um, and the Sentinels crowd Leon, who's who's the uh, a very elegant lunchroom, I must say. Oh my God, the selections yeah, there, there was they a have. lot of good stuff. They had a big giant bowl of salad. They had yeah, like lots of real fresh fruit and vegetables. Very elaborate Jello molds. And, um, and we should point out this is 1985, and in the classroom that we saw, everyone's got a computer. Get, but this, but that was the high school newsletter, and this is Vista Verde, Still, which is the. Think like, but the thing is, you got to remember this is like the creme de la creme of high yeah, schools so for Southern California. Very well off, and did you get a look at the school? It's like pretty. It's a nice looking school. Ritzy. Wide hallways, and, as Graham and, pointed and, out. And, and yes, that salad bowl fit. What's his name? Leon. That salad bowl fit Leon. It welcomed him. It said, Leon, come on in. Because didn't he get punched into it? He did. Yeah, so Leon didn't really want to go into the salad bowl, but the salad bowl found him. And he had his lunch, so he can be grateful. For but that. anyway, so they're giving Leon the business, uh, a la Eddie Haskell from Leave It to Beaver. They're giving him the business. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, well, because they saw this uh, this graffiti on, on the wall that said... Uh, 
cock. Yeah, McDevitt sucks cock. So they assume that's Leon because he's the big graffiti guy. Um, he's also black. Did we mention that? They're kind of racist. Yeah, they're 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 kind of as in totally. Um, so they're giving him the business, um, and and they're like, whoa, 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 you think you're gonna say something to me? Say it to my face." Uh, and then Kruger comes in, our hero, and he's like, "Do you like my message?" And then he just friggin' decks Randy. Yeah, he goes into a full attack, and he punches him out, and yeah. they get into like this full fight. There's a brawl. The, 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 the brawl moves to the kitchen, where the uh, the the staff there are just like, "We don't yeah, get paid enough to deal with any of this." Yeah, they and everybody goes along their way. And then the teacher, uh, the overlord of the Sentinels, uh, Mr. He, Corvier, uh, or yeah, he's old Kruger. Yeah, yeah. He actually goes so far as the um, the what you call it the the security guard has to like step in and be like, no, don't do that. That's a very good impression of the of the security guard that Graham just did. Um, uh, the security guard's pretty sorry, ineffectual. Sorry, I'm just so emotional about. Lillian's tearing up, uh, I'm, I'm, just remembering that Kruger, her boyfriend. Uh, yeah, my boyfriend Kruger just got slaughtered tonight, and I <laughs> don't have the words. Anyway, so just I'm gonna start moving this forward. So, um, so then the Sentinels are kind of cleaning up some graffiti at the end of the day, and then. But he um, made it. Yeah, 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 but but Randy takes uh, Brian aside, the, the Brian, the reluctant uh, Sentinel. Unfortunately, and he's like, he uh, "Hey, it. man, I'm gonna need you for some extracurriculars tonight. Uh, we're gonna, we're gonna." track down Kruger and Brian's all like you know what I've had it yeah he's no, like I'm, no, I'm, I'm no, done with no. this stuff you know what when we were cleaning up the school and like kind of just getting everybody in line and like cleaning up the graffiti and shit I was totally down but now we're hanging people upside down no yeah. No, no, no. He says that while he's yeah. literally cleaning up graffiti. Yeah, he's literally like like in the in the hallway just with their with a brush, just like I gotta get rid of this graffiti. This is terrible. Yeah, it's like the paint roller, and yeah, they have lots of. Uh, and he's really hurt. He's really hurt by this. He says like we shouldn't be doing this. This is wrong. So then uh, Brian heads over to the newsroom and he uh, he talks to Lennox. Um, and Danny. He, Danny. Donny. Donnie. Donnie. Danny. Donnie, I fucking Graham, I dare you to put that movie. I, I, I dare you to put that movie back on and pause it when she says Danny. Um, so goes back to Gianni. Danny. <laughs> and says, Hey man. Daniel. Uh, if you're talking to Kruger, if you're gonna see him, warn him to watch his back. And then Danny's like, What does that mean? And but Brian's like, that, that's just it. You just gotta warn him. I know, yeah. and I think Brian was pretty clear, but... I was pleading with Brian. I'm like, Brian, please don't go with that wedgie. He had a wedgie. Don't go. He, Explain like, he, further. Like his pants and were too say, tight? Yeah, you didn't get his wedgie? No, I missed that. I'm sorry. Are you kidding? It's the 80s. Everybody had a wedgie. Yeah, I missed the wedgie. <laughs> Anyways. Anyway, I was like, don't go away with your wedgie. Like, explain further that these sentinels are up to no good. I know, but he was vague enough that, and but I f also feel like Danny should have gotten the hint. Like, just warn your no, buddy. No, no, no. I knew he wouldn't, and he didn't. But Danny was all like, because yeah, here's the thing: Danny, as a protagonist, is and as we were he's pointing not on out, top of things, to be honest. He's got Julie on the brain. Julie on the brain. He's like, I want to stick with these Sentinels because I want to see her again. 
And so. they're rich and they're awesome and they're amazing and that's what I want to be. No, I feel like his motivation. We get, do we get to the point where where he goes to clean Julie's parents' pool because that's his like weekend job and she's like changing in the window? We haven't gotten that. That's and then coming Randy out. passes him by and goes like enjoy the view and then he goes up. Then Randy goes upstairs and forces himself upon Julie. We didn't get to that, but I guess you've gotten there yourself, Graham. I yeah. just did. Yeah, Randy is Pretty not a good there's, there's, there's a gratuitous shot of side boob and uh, there is some side boob there. Yeah. This one, though, I gotta say, it's it's very comp- compared to a lot of other '80s teen movies. There's not as much. It's not gratuitous. No, yeah. it's not. Uh, and then not that Albert Pune wasn't uh, wasn't. He he knew when. He actually, I gotta say, he's not uh, he's not big on the sleaze. Well, from what I've seen so far. I mean, we want in Nemesis. There was there's no. a little bit. of... No, there wasn't. Oh yeah, we saw Tom Jane's ass, and then we saw the the other. Um, yeah. I- he, but he, he, he was with the territory. I don't think it was like, oh, I don't think it was anything. It wasn't gratuitous. Extra. Yeah, it wasn't. Anything the thing extra. is, the, the thing is, Albert Pune knew what audience was watching which, what movie. He wasn't like a Russ Meyer where like every movie's got to feature, you know, women you can, whatever. Um, it's got to, don't look at me no, like no, that, no, you no, jerk. No, 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 but guys, there's a sense of authenticity, right? And it's got to come across. Like, um, in Nemesis. Uh, whatever. There, there, there was an intimacy that had to that 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 played an important part in the plot. I, I, yeah. So what I'm saying is, Albert Pune knew that in a high school movie, you didn't need, you did not need to go there. Uh, we got enough. We got as much as we need. We got enough that we need. We got a little bit just to sort of be like, have us go like, <gasps> you know. Anyway, so before then, so uh, then I guess he doesn't tell Kruger because Kruger's all like, oh, I'm gonna he's driving home. Um, and then our Sentinel boys are hiding in the woods with their friggin' masks and their trench coats, and they shoot at his tire. Um, and he doesn't realize it's him shooting at no, his tire. He just, he just thinks, thinks his it's tire his, blue, and he's like, "Who's the last thing I needed?" Yeah, he, he just the gods have frowned upon him. And then when he go, like he actually stops and he pulls over and he goes to get his spare, but his spare is just a rim without a tire on it. So he's like, "Ah!" Use a spare on something else. So he Probably. like walks, I guess, to go get help so he can fix his car. And there's their sentinels with their white dog, and they and they actually like uh, attempt a lynching with him, where they are going to hang him. However, they chase him down for a while. Yes. like he was able to run. They run downhill, and we all thought they were skipping down the hill because it seems like fun. They were like skipping and rolling. It's not fun. No, it's not fun. Have you ever rolled down a hill? Yes, and it's been a lot of as time. an adult falling down. It's called falling down a hill as an adult. Rolling down a hill is when you what you when you're a kid. You guys just don't know how to adult. Let's go to Christie Pitts and let's see you fall down a hill. I will roll down the hill and I will. <laughs> you'll have be like fun the first couple rolls. Will be like yeah, and then afterwards you'll be like oh god stop. Anyway, so they, they catch everywhere. up to Kruger after a bunch of hill rolling and skipping. Um, and yeah, it, it looks like they're gonna lynch him. Uh, Randy's all like, make sure the rope is tight this time. Um, and they put them on a log, and then they kick them off the log, and of course the rope wasn't tight. They're just then they laugh, and and, and they're like, and they pull out his earring, like rip it out of his <laughs> ear, and they say, "Don't you mess around with us anymore, or whatever." Yeah, that, you should have transferred. Yeah, because Ripper actually gives that earring to his girlfriend later on. Yeah, it's evidence as we as we find as out. we find out, although the police don't think it is. Um, and so Kruger, Kruger a bit and humiliated. What is this crime really like? What is this? F- crime like slam my face to the wall I won't tell you what is crime it's well, the old he's not normal so therefore he's not one of also, us also he he, he physically attacked them earlier that day but he attacked well, them with good reason because I, they I know but that's that was their like it's not without cause like that's they were, donk. they were donk and it's clear 
Yes. <laughs> not even sure what that phrase means. They're ridiculous. Ridiculous, Kit. You don't know they ridiculous. Did not watch the OC, are they I, over, I did not know. They've overstepped their limits. They've over right, but their in, boundaries. In in their point of view, he's he has crossed them. And their point of view is in front flawed, of other people, so. and it's been made very clear to agree. And by the way, a little slight sidebar here. I love the OC, the television series. It is oh, a one. Right. I, I love that TV show. I do unabashedly, okay. openly, enthusiastically. Peter Gallagher. Peter Gallagher with his eyebrows. Misha Barton. Adam, whatever his last name, driver. No, that's not Cohen. Adam Cohen. Oh no, yeah, right. I'm mixing up my Adams. Wait, no, it's Adam Brody. Adam Brody. Seth Cohen. That's right. Yeah, I I love. I love that film or that that series. It's good. Anyone out there that's because Phil mentioned the OC. Edward, you you said Redonk. Which is Redonkulous. Redonk was was coined on the OC. I don't know if it was coined on the OC, but they used that term. They popularized. Yes, they popularized it. it. Much like Death Cab for Cutie. No, but um, we, we we see that this has gone yes, too far. Did. This has gone too far, and it's made very clear. It's anyway, so yes. with my soulmate. After the mock lynching, by the way, I should uh, I should point out that our Sentinel friends, every time they do Kruger. one of these mock te- mock executions, they've got a JVC friggin' camcorder, video camera, yeah, because it's JVC like the, invented VHS, baby, yeah. It's like uh, it's like friggin' Dolph, Kearney, and Jimbo from The Simpsons. Uh, <laughs> videotaping this crime spree is the smartest thing we've ever done. That's yes. what it made me think. Um. So, so yeah, we see Brian, who's so, kind of turning away well, from the Hold on, the hold scent. on. Let me finish this this little story. Oh, my darling. We just need to get to the rest of it. My uh, Brian, aka my man Tom Matthews. So so they 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 leave him kind of uh, kind of crying and stuff and all embarrassed, and he's like, oh, uh, he's all disoriented. He's got stumbles his... out to the roadside, and then oh, there's a car, and it looks like it hits him, and then we don't know. And what we happens. don't know what happens until the very end. Right. And we think, oh my god, Kruger is before, dead. Before this, though, he was actually hitting on... He was Lillian hitting, actually changed to black during this portion of the, uh, the film. She was in mourning, yes. But uh, the thing to remember is that... I, I, I don't have any words right now. Before this, he dropped the holy grail of like, hey, you want to go to San Francisco and see the Dead Kennedys to a girl he was into? And I was like, man, this guy's awesome. Dead Kennedys and Barry Manilow. Yeah, that's the that's, ticket. That's I really want to see those guys like, double heading a bill together. Do you want to hang out with me tonight or not? Like I got this or I got that. Like let's do it. He has ah! all the bases covered. I got your Barry Manilow. I got your Dead Kennedys. Or both. Or both. Movie? Barry Manilow sings the Dead Kennedys. <laughs> <laughs> or Dead Kennedys sing Barry Manilow. Yeah, Actually, that would be more realistic. Barry Manilow. Yeah. Dead Kennedys singing Barry Manilow. They've already covered. Uh, Viva Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas, and they do a really great cover of Back in the USSR. If you've never heard it, it's from their live album, Live at the Death Club. Sounds good. It's good. Um, so then that's it for Kruger for a while. Yes. And now, and now shit gets real. As Martin Lawrence would say in either of the two Bad Boys films. That's correct. This shit just got real. Well, yeah, it's like, what? Okay, I've been warned about my friend Kruger from the Sentinels and now by he's Brian, missing. And now he's who missing. is now missing. Both are missing. Next day. Both are missing. Next day. WTF. Next day they find Morgan. They find Morgan's body, they yes. They find Morgan's body. As the as there's a traffic jam on that dirt, that dusty dirt road that, that everybody, travels, everybody travels on to go to high school. So we see these guys having a hustle and it's like, oh shit, uh, what do we do? 
what do we do now? Like the Sentinels you know, are all like, whoa, whoa, he was alive I mean, last he was time alive we saw him. When we left him, like what WTF? They're, they're gonna, WTFing they're gonna try to blame this too. On us. Yeah, they're they WTFing on their end. Mm-hmm. Because someone that they strung up upside down and then shot in the face point blank with with a paintball then stumbled into a lake and drowned. Although, as we learned in the opening scene, he did not drown. His throat was slit by a sentinel. Too classical music. So then we're back to the newsroom scene where all they're all like um, playing the nice student with the cops. newsroom. Uh, the student, they, uh, actually, the I think I think that was actually the student government because yep. there were there Brian was there, Randy was there, there were a few other members that were not. Bonnie's. Wow! Yes, the Canadian uh-huh. TV show from the 1990s. <laughs> nice. But there was a, there was I think it was the student government scene f- because there were characters there that were not uh, members of the uh, the student newspaper. Okay, um, <laughs> and so uh, and so That's Randy kind of cuts off the cop and says like, "Hey, we're, we're, we have this group, the Sentinels, and we kind of like do your job on school, and we'd like to help out." And you the know? cops just kind of like, "All right, weirdo." Uh, well, no, he's like, "Oh, well, contact my office later. This sounds good." I think that was the cop just politely being like, yeah, all right, whatever, kid. Um, but then, immediately as the cop leaves, they're like, hey, uh, so this Morgan guy, he was, uh, he was dealing drugs and stuff. He wasn't yeah, such a was good Randy guy. Yeah, that was Randy trying to, like, t- trying to, like, kick dirt in the face of Morgan just after he died, kind of like I did earlier in the, with, uh... With, Smearing his name, just yeah. like the New York Times does with any black kid that gets shot by the police and guess in the United what? States. Guess fucking what? So when... Um, Lennox and they do. the girlfriend yeah. <laughs> go to the police station because they're worried about my husband, Kruger. They're worried about him and they say, um, first of all, he's been warned about. And these guys are bad news, the Sentinels. And they're kind of taking things into their own hands and... What does the cop say? Oh, well, you know, Kruger's got a history of disappearing. Yeah, so we should point and, out that... You that know, um, nothing's... There's no foul play here. You know, this is totally normal. And Normally, Kruger winds up in the drunk tank, yeah. Is there anything else I should know? So, what, what, we're, what we're missing here is that during this meeting, um, our hero Danny Lennox realizes that one of the girls there, a.k.a. Ripper's girlfriend, is wearing... Kruger's earring. Yes, the so uh, at this point, kind of like a knife, like a dangling knife, a dangling knife, feathered earring. Thing. So yeah. then, uh, Danny and Julie team up. By the way, at this after this whole situation, Julie uh, well, is we get forced to that one scene where he's he's washing uh, her pool, and then Randy. We went through that, all that sexually assaults her. So, but then then later on, so Randy or Julie is trying to leave the school. And Randy's like, hey, you got to ride in my car with me. And she's like, yeah, I just don't want to be like with you anymore. And he's like, what do you mean? And she's like, all you want to do is unzip your pants and, you know, make me, you know. Like, make me use my mouth. And then he's like, get your mouth over here. Get your mouth over here. And like, he attempts to, like, he unzips his pants (laughs) and he attempts to force her upon himself. And then Danny rides by in his pickup truck from the 1940s. He takes it very literally. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So Danny. That is what I'm going to do. Danny comes, exactly his, what I want to <laughs> Danny comes by in his pickup truck from the 1940s, and Julie escapes into the pickup truck, and they kind of realize, hey, something's going down here. Something's spiraling out of control. Something's happening here. We're actually getting dangerously close to a catastrophe. Oh. Title of the film. Yeah, I'm throwing it out there. They, they're getting, um, it should I be thought, like a Pee Wee's Herman secret word of the day kind of thing going on. close to the Sentinels. That is true. So um, so then she's like, well, what can we do? And he's like, can you do me a favor? And so she goes to a party wearing a beret. 
and gets the earring from the girl that Ripper gave it to because the girl is just like, this is gross. I don't want to wear it, but Ripper wants me to wear it, but you can have it, so here you go. He's acting weird, and he, yeah, it's been really strange. He wants me to wear this thing, and I think it's, like, super weird, and, like, oh, my God, just, like, she, take she it says from it's, me. She actually says, I think it's sick. I think it's sick. But she doesn't mean sick, sick in the way in, that in, modern in, kids Yeah, mean. we're like, sick. You know, it's not sick. It's sick as in gross. There's something weird about it. Just, like, take it off my hands, yeah. Also, I love that Grandma... Kind of feels like it was ripped out of an air. Grandma needed and, to mention and, the beret and, and that Julie's wearing. it's kind of funny to me that she wouldn't recognize it from uh, Kruger's ear. I have a feeling that that girl never looked Kruger in the face. I, I don't see how she can look Kruger She's in the face. She's, like, the girl, most amazing thing of this guy. movie. Wow, all it's right, like, fair it's like, it's like the theme from... It's like that story from that song by that Canadian... Canadian Singer Avril Lavigne, skater boy. He was a punk, and she took ballet. Could I make this any more obvious? No, he was not a punk. Wow. He was like an amazing human being. And now you're gonna have go to do an Avril Lavigne freaking needle drop. Graham is shaking his head vigorously, but I feel like it's gonna happen. Sorry, no, I'm not shaking my head towards you, Lil. I'm shaking my head towards Kit because we're having two different conversation conversations. Conversations at once. Uh, that Graham's gonna have to do an Avril Lavigne needle drop. He's shaking his head, saying no. Yeah, I'm not going to do an Avril Lavigne job. What were you saying, Lil? Uh, I was just saying, like, how could this girl not realize that... How could she not see Kruger's beauty? How could she not realize that this was, like, hanging on Kruger's ear? Like, his, like, the God of most the high amazing school. ear on the planet. Lillian was crushing hard on Kruger. I'm crushing hard, and I'm, like, still, like, like, okay, he's all right, which I'm happy about. I my opinion is that this girl didn't never looked Kruger that that much in the face to gather or spoke to him to have to understand that that is his earring ripped from his ear. Obviously, air. obviously, we got to understand that, but like I personally couldn't couldn't believe that. Yes, but that's it. That's it. That's all I want to say. Like Kruger, how do you not know what like lives and breathes on this guy? Yeah, Lillian was incredulous that anyone. Might not know who Kruger's earrings look like. Yes. Yeah, so then Julie gets the the earring from her. She go, brings it back to. She brings it back to Danny, and Danny's like, "We gotta go to the police. We gotta go to the police. We gotta go to the police. The police don't do anything." And the police just take it and chuck it into like a big bag of other jewelry. That, Meanwhile, that's missing. Um, uh, 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 Donnie goes to Brian, who's in the uh, the room, and Brian's like near tears, and he's like, "What happened to Kruger, man? You said watch out for Kruger, and now he's not at school. What's going on?" And Brian's like, I don't know, man. I don't know what I've gotten into. Yeah. And uh, Danny's like, well, can you tell me something? He's like, I can't. Just call me later. I can, I can I'll meet you later. Yeah. yeah, I'll try to find out. Yes. And then? And then Brian, uh, he goes to disappears. some friggin' warehouse or something like that with some videotape machines. Um, and there's a bunch of VHS cassettes there mm-hmm. labeled. Um, things that we would expect because they've been videotaping Hunting, the crime sprees. best kill, all that stuff. And he's like making copies and stuff, and he's yeah. like, "Yeah, I've got the got the evidence right here." Mm-hmm. And then, ba 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 ba, car pulls up, blaring classical, classical music, operatic oh! classical music. Oh. And that Who is the end of Brian, of? unfortunately. Brian is no more. As Brian long is. It's not Kruger. I'm okay. Hey, that's Tom Matthews you're talking I about do there. Feel bad that for Brian because he really like he really he really came around. He just wanted to pick up garbage and clean up graffiti and stuff, and all of a sudden he's roped into this vigilante squad of yeah. hate. Yeah, 
Did somebody he, he just wanted to harass and the black time, students. He didn't want to hurt them. He didn't want to harass anyone. He wanted to clean up graffiti, pick up garbage. He wanted to be know. a pillar he was, of his he was playing around for quite some time. He was with them for a while. Kruger's ass was on the line, and anytime Kruger's name came up, he was just a ball. So I totally, totally related to. Brian. Anyway, so Brian gets Brian is no more. Brian gets got, um, and then we move forward. Uh, so to then, the, to the, the the earring scene with the um, yeah, yeah. With the so then, cops, and then they're like, the cops aren't going to do anything. We're going we to have to take things into our own so hands. So they then go to this warehouse where where, where we saw Brian make the yes, tapes. Yes, where where uh, Brian told uh, Danny, will meet up with me at this place because I'll give you the tapes with all the evidence. Um, they go in and they trip a silent yes, alarm. Yes, a red kind of well, one of those red laser beam alarms. And yep. uh, Randy, who's sitting in some meeting at school, gets a page. Immediately, he's got his a pager. Goes off. This is 1985. He's wearing a pager. Because he's a bad boy. He's rich. Those were the cell phones before there were cell phones. Yeah, pagers. Yeah, Someone pa- called me. Pagers were to, for rich kids and drug dealers. I got to run to a cell phone and, like, and, or a cell phone, a payphone and call this number back. So, anyway, so um, as, as friggin' uh, Danny and Julie <gasps> are, they, they realize they've tripped the alarm, but they're like, well, it's too late now. And so they freaking lollygag looking around this place for evidence. I know. They, like, take their time. They, like, look at different tapes. And then they find the secret hidden tape, which is underneath the desk. And they're playing. Which has the murder of Morgan on it. No, and no, it's a it mock has, murder. It has they the don't setup. realize yes. that, though. They don't, they don't realize, realize it because it looks very realistic because it's got the upside-down lynching of Morgan and the, like, up, up, upside, right-side lynching of uh, Kruger. And then it's got that cut to bum 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 the teacher, Mr. Cora. Yeah, he's actually Danny's on the phone with the high school at the time. He's got mm-hmm. Corbin on the phone, and Julie's like, "Hang up," because she realizes Corbin is in on it. And as an audience, yes. we are all like, "Oh, Corbin is the guy with the classical music. Obviously, he's the killer." Mm-hmm. And then, and they even bring up. So then, all of a sudden, the Sentinels invade this area, and then Julie and. Uh, Danny have to fight for their life against the against the Sentinels. They actually do pretty well. They um, and, I, I, and yes. Corbin pulls up, and we all remarked, "Hey, how come he's not playing classical music?" Yes, but hey, before that, we should point out that like Julie fights back against like two Sentinels, and she does pretty well. Danny fights back against Sentinels. Actually, like wrestles the paintball gun away from Ripper and shoots Ripper in the face, right in the eyeball, with a yellow paintball. <laughs> which he's kind of like, you know what? I probably had that coming. Yeah, this yeah. changes Ripper for the, okay, for the better. Okay, I gotta say, like, this whole time I was like, go screw yourself, go screw yourself, go screw yourself, every time I saw Ripper on the screen. But after he got paintball in the eye... He turned into, like, a weeping Gary Busey type character. He turned into my new best friend. He, Sorry, I just I just realized, I forgot one movie that I mentioned, I forgot to mention that I watched in the opening of this. Oh, well, I watched on, Strangers Graham. Pray at Night, which is so good, because I was just thinking of Total Eclipse of the Heart when I thought of Gary getting shot in the face with a paintball. Sorry, not Gary, uh, Ripper getting shot in the face with a paintball. Back you, to you, Because I said Gary Busey, I'm sorry. Uh, well, you were talking about it earlier, about the remake of that song, and it was really good, right? Total eclipse of the heart. Anyhow, wh- what happens here at the end, Phil? So, yeah, Phil, you haven't talked for like 30 minutes. What's going on? Oh, yeah, no, I, I was just so absorbed in your conversation. Uh, so the Sentinels actually start having a change of heart. Yeah, yes. they kind of like start, it's like when you see a robot realizing like, maybe I should not kill for humanity. Um... They realize maybe we maybe we have gone a little too far. Maybe death is occurring because of us. Why is Brian dead? That makes no sense. We were all yelling at the screen too, like uh, we... redemption arcs are fine, but not for you, Randy. Yeah, it's not for you, Randy, because you like have already committed <laughs> sexual assault twice, 
and done some other stuff. So um, at this like time, murder. like <laughs> murder, and so as we find out later, but we don't initially. So Randy says, like, well, Kurgan has killed before, back in Nam. Killed a bunch of VC, they say. Yeah. Nice mustache, Randy. I don't know where that's coming Randy from. Randy doesn't have a mustache. He's using the coach, the teacher, the mustache. I think coach you mean also beard. Doesn't have a mustache. Beard. beard. Whatever. <laughs> oh, facial oh. hair. Okay. Um. <laughs> sorry. Sam's just hitting people in the face with microphones now. <laughs> I'm I'm totally Herb Welch from Saturday Night Live. Have you ever seen that skit? That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Bill Hader thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um. So, so uh, at this point, Kurgan shows up, and he's like, "Ripper What's... is not having it." No, Ripper, Ripper is like, "Ripper has like had a totally that's like." It. Once cr- you get paintball in Ripper's eye, that's it. He's he like, became a what? good man. I know. Ripper all of a sudden was like, "I appreciate all races and ethnicities." I didn't sign up for paintball in the eye. Yeah, he, he Ripper basically like instantly is like that paintball on his eye is kind of like being touched by the hand of God. All of a sudden, he's like. We are all one people. We must Wait, all support each other. Once he got paintball in the eye, all of a sudden he could see all colors. Whoa. So anyways, we should point out that, that Randy at this point, he has in earlier moments in the film pointed out that he has guns. His parents have a selection of M16s, which are automatic assault rifles. Um, he uses one to shoot at the tire in Kruger's car. Yeah, Graham is alluding to the out, twist here at the end and, of the film. And Randy pulls out an actual gun. Which uh, Ripper says, "Hey man, that's just paintball." And then he fires off the gun. and He's like, "It's not." He goes, oh, that's, oh my god, yeah, that's the scene. That's where a he real pulls out gun. A gun. He's like, and and Ripper's all like, "It's just paintball, man. We're just shooting paintballs yeah. here. This was all fun and games." No, we're not. Buddy. No, Randy has a gun. No, we're not, buddy. But then Kurgan hey, shows buddy. up, and Kurgan, Mr. Kurgan, actually has a gun as well. And they like in in the in the in in the, 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 the hustle bustle because Ripper actually like the like burly. Ripper like you know t- totally proves his metal right now and runs out in front of both Danny and Julie and all the guys to tackle uh, Mr. Kurgan. But unfortunately, he's thrown to the ground, and Mr. Kurgan has a gun, and so does so does Randy, and they they exchange fire. Shots are fired. Uh, Mr. Kurgan goes down. Randy sur- Randy survives unscathed. Cop. The next smash cut to to sirens, to sirens, and the police are there, and they're all sort of setting it out, and they kind of like, and all of a sudden, who shows up in the back of the police car? It's Kurgan. And he Kruger. Was, Kruger. Come, wow. Kruger. Come on. Sorry. Sorry. Too many blood brothers too many, for this too many guy. Games. Um, Kruger shows up, and Danny's just like, oh my god, you're okay, and, and Kruger's like, yeah, there were people shooting at me, and they, like, put a noose around my neck and tried to hang me, so I just got out of town. Like, he actually did the sensible thing. He did turns, that, out, turns out that shit cop from earlier was totally correct about yeah, Kruger. Like, Kruger. Yeah, he disappears yeah, for a few days, yeah, he'll Kruger be fine. Yeah, Kruger just left because he knew that, <laughs> that there was a great threat to his life. Um... And the cops... Yeah, I had good reason this time. Yeah, he was like, people were shooting at me with automatic weapons, and they put a noose around my neck, so yeah, I'm getting out of town. This my is not good. My got ripped out. Yeah, yeah, guys. things are not good here. Goodbye. Um, and then, you know, there's kind of like a moment of like, oh, we're okay, and Julie Lillian and Danny... Lillian tears of joys. Lillian and... Or, she's, sorry. she's actually weeping tears of joy right sorry, now. Sorry, Danny just, and... Just Ju- rethinking about it. Danny and Julie... I'm without words... <laughs> Danny and Julie kind of have a moment of like, okay, we're all in love, and, and Kruger's alive. And then Randy gets into his car, turns on the radio, 
and the classical music from the very first what? scene starts your playing. Your hairs just stand up. And then there's a freeze frame, right. and then a close-up on the freeze frame, and then a close-up on that freeze frame, and then a close-up on that freeze frame, mm -hmm. until we see the darkness inside Randy's heart. Cut to credits. And it says, directed by Albert Pugh. Directed by Albert Pugh in the end. <laughs> so, guys. Oh. We, uh, final thoughts on, on Dangerously Close. Phil. It was good times to make a great double feature with Tough Turf. Yeah, I think I think Tough Turf is the film that would like bring you. This film is a bit more darker. Tough Turf it's would darker, like darker. It's more tonally consistent. Tough, tough Turf. Yeah, Tough Turf would like would be like the second feature that just goes like whoop, it would like curve you up towards the end, towards the sky. Oh yeah, it really it really works its way. Like it goes from like mm -hmm. eight to like twenty. Yes, that's Tough Turf, not this one. <laughs> So, any other, other any other final thoughts on this film? No, nope, I enjoyed it. Awesome! I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, I'm always glad when you like a film. I, I find that you're like the hardest person to win over in this group. So I'm I'm glad that you, that this film won. Yeah, over. like Albert Pugh movies. He does it, man, movie. doesn't he? He does. He really does. He he kind of just gives you what you need. Like that's all you really need to kind of go on this journey with him. I, mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah, the one thing I'm noticing about Albert Pune after I've seen now three movies of his, I guess, is what were the um, other two. You said Nemesis. What was the other one? Oh, Cyborg. Yeah, come on, man. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> the there's movies the, we watched on there's this there's one thing that kind of like it's just it's I, I don't stood, know. It's stood aside from like all the other kind of like 80s high school movies where like you kind of see like it, it tells you right away that this guy's from the wrong side of the tracks. This guy's like this or whatever well, I mean, or this a, chick was, whatever those are tropes of um, 80s yes but we, 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 we if you think okay if you ask yourself you don't know anything about any of these characters other than that well we understand and, we understand and that's the, the difference the with that's the, the difference with the with the other movies of that era and i i i feel like it kind of delivered without that backstory even though well, Lillian is, is is granting Albert Pune a lot of uh, poeticism that that he has in space. I don't know if it. I don't know if it's deserved. Here's what I'll say. Yes, I, I like this film. Yeah. Uh, not as much as Cyborg. I think Cyborg's a bit better. I liked it a lot better than Nemesis. Okay, cool. What, what, what were you saying about Albert Pune? You said like you noticed something about his. Oh, films. just um, I don't know if he works with the same DOP all the time or what the deal is with that. But there's a lot of good. For for movies, Atmosphere. and he's, yeah. he's known for making movies on a budget. Yes, um, making movies quickly. Mm -hmm. um, I remember one of the facts they said about Nemesis is that uh, that he spent three days just shooting inserts of guns. Yeah, loading. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, There's a real like seriousness to him. But just a bit. some of the shots, not all of them. Yes, and uh, like some of the sound design, I think we mm -hmm. noticed was a bit off. Like, well, I mean, we, we should also point out that this is probably like a, this is like a st at best stereo soundtrack. Like, I think it was probably released in mono back in the '80s because you could still do that. Well, some of, the, some of the characters you could tell they were being dubbed in. Some of them were like, there's yeah. a bit of an echo on him. They should have yeah. probably yeah, dubbed yeah, yeah. him in. Yeah, yeah. Um, but beyond like the shots, some of the shot selections are great. Now, I noticed yeah. this in Cyborg 2. I don't remember it from Nemesis. N Nemesis but... is visually quite good. Yeah, there were some amazing shots in Nemesis. Are you kidding me? I, I think you might be right on that, but I, it's, I'm struggling to remember them. But yeah, they were pretty like breathtaking. Awesome. Yeah, he's good. He's good at very good at making. Like I said tonight, I really like some of the shots. They were just really cool and like the a angle lot of and stuff and silhouettes and things that looked really cool. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you agree, Phil? The shots are nice. 
Yes, they are. Yeah, so mm-hmm. uh, that's one thing I'm noticing. Really well, yeah. Um, with uh, with old Al Albi Pune. Our Pune. He is. He. By the way, we should point out that he is not in good health right now. So we hope he pulls through his current situation. Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. AP. Legitimate thoughts and prayers. Not the not the nonsense Republican version of that. Yeah. No. Yeah. We we do. We never, hope. Never. Never. Yeah. Uh, anything else to add, Kit? Uh, trying to think of it. I, I, Phil and I mm-hmm. were talking a bit about this, just like uh, how it's kind of a thing with uh, teen movies, not just this one, but all of them, where you've basically got adults, people who are in their 30s, and that's kind of fun to make fun of. But also I think yeah. it might be a necessity, because it might be insufferable to watch a film with genuine high school kids well, I, acting I, all precocious and I've, friggin'... Yeah, I've actually worked... So I've done a couple uh, shoots. These are corporate videos. Plus they're not as good actors. Too. Yes. I've worked. With, I've done a couple corporate videos where we actually shot like long format 80-page scripts, which were essentially feature films, featuring uh, actors that were the actual age of like, you know, teens, like 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds, teenagers. And... It it comes across as a bit less sincere because they're not selling it with the weight that that these actors have. Um, and, and if they were to be able to sell it, it would come off as precocious and kind of obnoxious. Yeah, 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 exactly. And that's that's kind of always the risk you run when casting actual teen, uh, actual kids that are that age. Yeah. Um, and also, it's just sort of like the thing to remember as well is that like with a lot of these high school movies, like because they are characters who are under the age of eighteen, they they can't work the same hours that a person who is over over eighteen can. So therefore, it's a necessity to cast actors that are, you know, and you also want actors that have a bit of experience to understand how to emote those situations. Because exactly. yeah. granted, we should point out that, and I pointed out that like two years after this, um, the lead actor uh, J. Eddie Peck or Pecky or whatever his name is, he actually is, is a stars as a high school teacher in Lombada. So it was like that thing where uh, what was it? Mm-hmm. Um, that stand up movie that Tom Hanks was in. What was that called? Was it called Stand Up Punchline? Punchline, Punchline yeah. Where uh, uh, Sally Field, Sally Field is, is his love interest, and, and then like two years later, she's, she's his, his mom. mother. In yeah, Forrest yeah, Gump. yeah. It's 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 kind of kind of problematic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So now, Lillian, your final thoughts on Dangerously Close? Um, man, I liked it. I I didn't know what I didn't know too much about it, but. What you told me coming in, it's like this high school thing. And I was like, you had me at high school. I love high school movies, especially from the 80s. I think they're amazing. What, what's your favorite high school movie? I mean, aside from this one, obviously. Um, I don't really have a favorite. You I going think with they, the, the John, I think if John they, Hughes I, I think if they tap in and they kind of celebrate the good kind of points about, <laughs> about humanity, it's always nice to see. And uh, I... I really really loved Kruger in this movie like just right away like I thought I thought he was just such an amazing friend and such a cool guy and he stood his his ground throughout and he had principles that yeah I knew right away that he had his principles and I don't know I I saw a lot of themes that you kind of see in right like usually from these type of movies and it all just kind of came together really well and I really enjoyed this movie I I gotta say I I I liked everybody in it and and everybody kind of brought something to it and it was good it was good good. yeah and for me 
Um, I mean, I was the one that picked this movie. I pick all the movies that play on this podcast. I was a fan of this movie even before I really knew who Albert Pune was. Um, and I just, I dig it. Like, I feel that... And, and I gotta say about Pune himself, like, from, 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 from the movies I've seen so far, he doesn't feel the need to dwell too deep. He, he, he kind of just kind of sets the setting as it is and and you can kind of infer from yourself from uh, from 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 your own you can kind of relate on your own like from people that you've kind of come across in your own life of this kind of thing and you can kind of make your own um deductions and conclusions and like he just kind of gives you like the brass tacks of it all and i kind of I kind of like that. That's kind of neat. And of course, I like when they go deeper, when they kind of show you, you know, like in some kind of wonderful, you get a bigger feel of like how how on the other side of the tracks he was, how fucking poor he was, how much he saw that he wants to like rise above and like he looked up to these like rich kids and he said, why can't I be like them? Pune kind of like tones it down and he just says, okay, this is how it is. You guys already know what that entails. I'll let you go from there. Whereas like other films, they kind of say, okay, we're going to put a little bit more emphasis into the fact that he's not well off and he's kind of struggling with this. Whereas Pune kind of throws it out there. He kind of just like. He paints you, with, with He tropes. kind of lets you know that it's already like it's already kind of a given, and he gives like lighter strokes into the same picture. Or He's the like, same you, you guys already understand what this genre entails, so I here's know who these characters are. I saw that with Nemesis too. Like, I, I told Graham, he was sitting right beside me when we were watching it at the theater, all four of us together. I said, "Holy." F- I love this already. Like the first minute, I kind of got a feel for the character already. Like I knew where everything was going to go. How deep yeah. it was going to go. I knew that it wasn't going to go too far, but I knew that I would have enough <laughs> to enjoy the message. But I think the genius thing also is that the Sentinels were not just generic bad guys. No, like they actually they had they had they 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 thought they were doing a good thing, but it just got a little out of hand, that's all. Yeah, they had this push pull inside of them that eventually, like, they realized some, when something broke, it broke inside of them as well, and they were like, "This isn't this isn't a catch all solution. Like, we we aren't doing the right thing here." Except for Randy, something's wrong. Yeah. Except for Randy, like even even the character that we were thought is to be like the total brute of the film, uh, Ripper goes through a moment of like, I think we've gone far too far. He sees color at the end. I love that. I love to see that. I think we all do as an audience. We love to see this this guy that we think is like a total fucking, he's just a write-off. That's it. There's no good for him anymore. We, it's beautiful to see that he's actually, he's actually with it and he's actually within his within his mind and is within his rights and he sees that this just ain't cool. Well, you would think that the Sentinels, uh, at the end, they could just be villains. It would be yeah, they would just be generic role, bad just guys. Be like, just oh, and then, and then this one's then, dispatched, this one's dispatched. Yeah, so it would, it would be like a body cam movie where it's like, we took out all four of these guys and they're gone now forever. I, I, I gotta say, I kind of had a feeling because they didn't dwell much into their actual personal lives like they do in other films of that era, I kind of had a feeling that it would be a turnaround. 
I thought that was the foreground of the film. I, I love how Lillian sees such depth in these movies. Sometimes when there is no depth to see, but Lillian wow. always sees it. And that's wow, the best kids. thing. I'm a sucker. That's the best thing. That. Kit, you just threw some serious shade there, which I don't think well, he's ever come back. Wasn't, no, wasn't he meant didn't. to be shade. No, I'm it's, saying it's, that's uh, a think, good I thing. I think that's the four growers talking. No, he no, 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 didn't no. You, you guys misunderstand shade. me. I'm saying she sees the beauty in something, even when I don't think that there is any beauty there. Thank Lillian you, still manages Thank to you. see it. Even even if he meant it in a <laughs> I did very I, negative I, way. I, I sincerely I know, that's, didn't that's mean why, in a negative that's way. Why, so, so listeners, He's by the way, in case, in case you can't... I know, right? Why does <laughs> What, me? In case you can't figure it out, listeners, like me and Lil sit on one side and Phil and Kit sit on the other because like we are... This is one of the few films I think we all enjoyed. Um, we all enjoyed Cyborg. Phil, I'm so sorry. Yeah, we enjoyed Cyborg. Phil, Phil is... is Are you f- I, guys, I can't get over the splits yet. Phil is falling asleep. We need to end this. I um, We didn't even get to the Roger Ebert review, but that's okay. We'll, yeah, because he was to. wrong. Um, yeah, what did he do giving it zero stars? Are we doing this? Or are we, are we yeah, doing let's this? Do it right no, no, now. Should we? Let's do it right now. Yeah, we should. We should. We got, we got five minutes. We got five minutes. Five minutes. Five minutes. Five minutes. Five minutes. your soul, but like, what the f***? Yeah. Can you stop cursing? I have to bleep all this. No, this is... I can't stop cursing. Like, why are you giving this movie zero stars? She's very stars? passionate. It's very passionate about it. So, Being forced to watch all the terrible movies that he so doesn't this is, like. This is a review by Roger Ebert. Thumbs down from May 9th, 1986. Here is his review. At a guess, I would say the director of Dangerously Close devoted a great deal of time and thought to how his movie looked and almost no time at all to what or who it was about. Okay, so he, he agrees with us that it looks nice, though. This is a technical exercise a classroom film designed to show that the maker can manipulate the tools of his trade to his own satisfaction. It It is arrogant in its indifference to the audience. There is no evidence that Dangerously Close was intended to communicate anything to anybody. The movie takes place in a rich kid's high school where there are lots of expensive cars in the parking lot and the teachers all seem to cultivate interesting personality disorders. Two of the kids. I can't do this. Lillian is DXing the, is DXing uh, the, <laughs> the she, review here. She's giving the old crotch chops to, to this review, plus the fingers. Um, I'm sorry, Raj, but what the fuck are you saying? So, uh, he continues on to say, two of the kids stand out. One, because he is the film school, he is the school punk, and therefore a nonconformist, and the other because he is a straight arrow who won't go along with the majority rule of the creeps. The school has been having problems with vandalism, we are told, and so a student group called the Sentinels um, has been founded. Is this really, like, is this really such a big pill for Roger to swallow? Like, has he never seen something like this before? Apparently, like, it happens all the time. I had has been founded to combat the vandals. I'm your best friend like this, like you, could, you could probably say we're opposites. Yeah. The group has turned into a violent neo-fascist private army that terrorizes the kids who don't fit in. That's true. So far, we have a retread of the Lords of Discipline, whatever that is. Plus, the movie lacks any sense of narrative pacing, and is and its characters would not, if they were combined, add up to a single interesting person. Ooh, that's a harsh one. Ooh. Harsh. <sighs> the director Albert Pume seems to be up to something other than storytelling. Whatever that means. What, what could he be up to? I know. That's that's kind of like I don't know what else he's doing. All of his students are improper, improbably handsome handsome that's just film that's like, filmmaking that's just movie. Yeah. they that's don't pay. hang around very they, good looking cast 
They don't hang around, they pose. The few females in the film are briefly seen and soon forgotten. There is a sinister older teacher who seems... Julie is the only female in the movie that It rates. is true, it is true, unfortunately. Her, uh, Randy's mother has a few lines, though. Oh, I'm sorry, Roger. Were the females not interesting enough for you? I feel like that's an okay criticism to have of the movie, but I don't understand the zero stars. Uh, are you watching the movie? I, what I kind of fucking criticism is that? <laughs> Lillian is getting belligerent no, at this I point am. of the day. I am. I am. I, I gotta say, Roger, like, I don't agree with you whatsoever. Yeah. He goes on to say, There is a sinister older teacher who seems to be the leader of the Sentinels, and if Dangerously Close were honest, it would be about how this character has turned their youthful enthusiasms into his own sadomasochistic ends. It totally is. point of the movie. It's, 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 it's the kids coming to reason themselves. Exactly. But he goes on to, cons- to say, but of course, this movie lacks the courage to admit that is what it is really about. Which is strange, because that totally is what the movie is about and talks about. Although so it doesn't it, go no, into depth not. on that, no, I suppose. No, it's not. Like, it could it's go not into- about that. It's not about that. It's about how you can get clouded wanting to see something better for yourself. In fact, that teacher has nothing to do with it. He's kind of set out to do something that he failed in because these kids have a mind of their own, which we got to see at the end. I I, I don't think the focus is on this teacher, and I'm glad that it wasn't. Anyways, long story short, this film is great. And yeah. next week... Yes, it is. And... Graham doesn't want to upset me by reading the rest of Roger's. Uh, we we had to we actually had to pause the yeah, podcast we had to pause and, and hold Lillian back because she was about to fight. I was Graham's upset phone there. because I, I I think Roger's in the wrong, giving it zero, absolutely nothing. It seems and like he could have given it two stars. He, if is, he didn't or, like it, like or two point five. Like I say, this is like here's the thing. He could at least say like in the in the pantheon of cinema, this is a solid B. So even if he gave it a C, you know, I, uh, to me it's an A, Lillian. I own this to movie. To me, it's an A as well. I think everybody was absolutely <laughs> wonderful in it. Oh my god, I just want to cry right now. I just want to cry right now, Roger. <laughs> god bless you, Lillian. Ro- Roger Ebert's in hell, strapped to a chair, watching Transformers Five on just an endless it's loop. Albert, I love you, Albert Pune. You rock. Yes, Albert Pune is great. And we'll be back next week with another Albert Pune film. It'll be Doll Man as hosted by Elvira. So with all of that being said, this has been a great episode of Death by Video. Yes. I've been Phil. I have been Kit. I've been Lil. And I've been Graham saying please be right. please 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 be wine. Please Please be sure to rewind and we will see you next time on Death by Video. Love you. Thank you so much for listening. There I was completely wasting